Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Viewers, end zone. He does have worthy. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. On second down, it's Daniels on the keeper, trying to break free. Daniels stayed in bounds and scored a Kansas touchdown. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Chuck keeps it himself. Made two guys miss. Touchdown! Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go on this very drizzly, wet, like a blanket over us when it comes to rain. I know that. We need it in certain parts. Uh, farmers need it, agriculture, golf courses, your front and backyard maybe need it too. Uh, and uh, it has been raining all day, and not anytime soon will it stop. Good afternoon. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, I'm David Smoke. This is 365 Sports, and we have the decision on what West Virginia will do with Bob Huggins. Also, uh, earlier today, Brett McMurphy, a note about the Big Ten and non-conference scheduling. Casey Thompson has found the new home. What's going on in the U.S. Senate when it comes to NIL and who is tax-exempt? 
That plus the NFL ticket, or the NFL ticket, the NFL schedule slowly being released. We'll kind of get into that a little bit today. But let's start with this, the Bob Huggins story. Bob Huggins, after the last 24 to 48 hours with the constant, uh, what is going to happen to him? And this has been somewhat polarizing. Pete Thamel had this earlier, and this is an update. All parties uh, have agreed to the stipulations needed for Bob Huggins to return to the sideline next year. Includes a three-game suspension, a million-dollar salary reduction, details of his uh, sensitivity training, and then also the fact that some of that money, I'm not sure if that million dollars is going towards different groups at Xavier or elsewhere, but there is the deal. Did they get it right? Well, I, I think so. I think actually it's more money he's donating to uh, some groups at Xavier uh, University uh, as well. And so, yeah, it's a million dollars comes off that they're not going to pay him. I think they got it right. I mean, that's a that's a really, really stiff fine. It's a million dollars uh, for, for this. So, yeah, I think so. I think that we need to at least attempt as a society of letting someone correct their wrongs. I, I think. I mean, you know, sometimes people are too far beyond the pale. I do not think Bob Huggins is that guy. And, you know, again, also, if you decide to cast people out and say, well, you made this mistake and you had this belief that's that's incorrect or this, you know, you use this language that's wrong, uh, by ruining their lives, you're never going to get them to come over to your side and learn why it's hurtful. You're just hurting someone because they hurt you, and that's not productive. So it's not so much coming over to their side; it's just understanding. Well, yeah, things I mean, better, like, yeah, right? exactly. You're not going to get anybody to understanding and have any kind of of common ground on anything and understand why what they said hurts you or is hurtful or is not funny or whatever you were trying to do. If you just say, that's it, you're cast out. And so I think this is good. I mean, look, $1 million doesn't hurt Bob Huggins as most it hurt much, most people, but still, that's a chunk. That's a big chunk of money that everybody would want to have. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sure pays to be a Hall of Fame basketball coach. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, I think that that you know, uh, certainly helped in their decision is that he has had a long, illustrious career with a lot of success, and I think we can all agree that if he was some guy who they were ready to fire, this would have been the perfect opportunity to mm, fire him. True. Um, but they don't, and they didn't, and I don't think that that's the wrong decision either. Uh, I do think that his career helped in this decision as far as the way it turned out, but I am with Paul on the fact that I'm glad that it's not just let's run a scythe over the entire program and no one gets a chance at you know contrition of any sort and we just throw him into the wasteland and never hear from him again and he's not allowed to talk to the world ever again. I, I do think there's far uh, too often incidents like that where – we just banish somebody without allowing them any chance to try and, and learn something or set an example for others to make sure that, uh, you know, other people maybe uh, don't say those types of things or ever have those types of uh, thoughts or emotions or whatever. So I do think it's a, it's a great opportunity for a learning experience. Um, you know, any time when it's monetary and it's a coach who's making millions of dollars, I kind of roll my eyes, honestly. But a million dollars is a good chunk of money, and it is, as it said in the article and was laid out, it is going to, um, what was it, uh, the LGBTQ plus center uh, at the university, the Carew Center, and, and other state and national organizations that support marginalized communities. So that is where some uh, of that money will go. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know about, like, did they get it right or not? I think that's everybody's lone opinion, right? Like, everybody can probably have different thoughts on, they got it right, but there should have been more money. Or, 
like they got the end result right, but this should have happened instead. So uh, we could all have our different version of that. But on you know the surface in general, um, I don't know right or wrong, but I feel like I do support the fact that they are. Um, you know, not just saying, all right, the media's on our backs, let's fire him and apologize and get on our knees and beg for, you know, Twitter people's mercy. Um, because I think there is a lot of that that's gone off, excuse me, that's gone on. And, um, you know, in this case, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of, of different opinions, I'm sure, but uh, let's see how it, it works out. You know, he has no room for error. That much is obvious, nor should he have any room for error. And uh, we'll see how... You know, this uh, perhaps helps, you know, people in West Virginia or at the university or what have you, uh, you know, how, how that improves maybe relations or just the discussion about it in general. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And I don't disagree nor, like, wholeheartedly go, like, yes, this was perfect. I'm just like, yeah, I, I understand giving him another chance, and I understand there being some protocols in place, and let's see what he does with it. Yeah, a couple of people have noted that his contract now, whatever, how many years was left on it, is now year to year, and that's probably smart. If He and his attorney, perhaps, I'm not sure if that was a part of the agreement, that instead of three, five, or whatever years forever, uh, years left on it, if it goes year to year, that way any kind of concerns about a buyout or whatever, I'm just throwing that out, as I've seen that from a couple of people who report. And, and the chat room has been that way, uh, too. Also, um, being one of the most beloved figures in the history of the university buys you some leeway and second chances from yes, Carl Evans. Yes, it does. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that comes into play here. Um, absolutely. And, you know, that's the way of the world, though, right? I mean, we see it in every walk of life, so we can't be surprised when it happens to the Hall of Fame basketball coach. Uh, but, yeah, that definitely played into this. If he was, you know, a guy who was 9 and. 27 in his last you know two seasons and everybody hated him I'm sure that would have been the quickest exit door imaginable but he's not he's beloved by a lot of people he's won a lot of games they've got a great class coming in we know how this works all over the country uh, a lot of the time if you win you have a better chance to survive in whatever the issue may be most of the time and so I, I do think that that came into play here but I, I do think there are other elements to it as well MC Gusta we'll have a West Virginia analyst on today at uh, like 4 30 our time central time to discuss kind of the reaction in Morgantown and his thoughts about what's happened and transpired the last couple of days. Uh, from Stephen, uh, at the same time, just throwing money at a problem doesn't equate to changing how, how uh, let's see, I just uh, change a perspective or heart change. Sometimes there is something that can hit you right between the eyes and it can change you. There are certain things, I don't know, with Bob Huggins. I, I don't Bob Huggins made some stupid remarks. There's no question. Offensive as heck, but I, 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 there's something about him. I, I do think that he can, in this instance, he's got enough power and enough clout and enough of people who gravitate to him where he could possibly change some things. And hopefully it's not just for a couple of weeks while the story's hot, but also down the road, well, no matter who's watching and or not. And look. It's yeah, really Neil, hard. Someone just said Neil Brown would not have survived these comments. No, maybe absolutely not. Absolutely not. He would have no. been gone yesterday. But, absolutely. But, you know, and, and, and so like MC Gusto said, like, it's ingrained in him. It, it won't change. Yeah, maybe. But maybe it won't be. Like, you know, like, I think we have to err on the side of compassion for all parties. Because where Bob Huggins erred was a failure in his humor to be compassionate. Because when he said what he said about Catholics and gay people, it was 
It was not compassionate. It was hurtful to those particular groups of people, depending on how they feel about it. And we don't get to determine how other people feel about things. It, if we would, uh, it would life would be maybe a whole lot easier. If I could just say, hey, feel like this. You like this food I just made for you. you you're all the same. That's not how the world works. So if he had a failure to be compassionate, a failure to be compassionate back to him is is a ridiculous, stupid circle that's only got us into this point in this country where we are, where we're just mad at each other all the time yeah, and not and, talking. And I'm not saying this is not about Bob Huggins, but I, I got a, a bunch of direct messages and also some a couple of texts last night. But there's also this, it's wrong what he said, but there's also this immediate reaction that everybody's offended by everything. In this case, I get it. If, in fact, you're Catholic, if, in fact, you're LGBQ, if you're those, if in those groups, okay. That's a, I can't I don't know if it it didn't offend me but I'm, I'm I also know what he said I knew as soon as he said it or as soon as I heard it oh dear God this is going to be rather a challenge for Bob Huggins as the uh, Hall of Fame coach or not so um, so and, and then Roger Dodger those two groups you're discussing are completely opposites which is why it was such an interesting bigotry bingo that he hit on it uh, and yeah he was I don't look. Bob Huggins was too comfortable. And yes, they're opposites. Very, like, well, not necessarily because guess what? In the Catholic faith, there's a large group of people who also happen to be LGBTQ+. They do. Uh, it's, it's larger than you may even think. Or people who grew up that way and have left or whatever. So, yeah, there's a lot like... I get that people want to draw black and white lines in the sand of this is different and that is different. It is not that different. Like, it's... There are overlaps here where, where people do, and look, it was a joke. It was stupid. He shouldn't have said it, but, you know, like you have only, to be a little compassionate. Only Bob Huggins knows how yeah. he can react to this, and he might have gone to bed last night thinking perhaps that he was not going to coach West Virginia along with others who probably didn't think he would. I wondered if he would survive even with the power and the kind of person he's been for West Virginia. So there we are with that. Again, Mike Kazaza will join us, 247 Sports Covers West Virginia at 430. Then there's this one. This is from uh, Brett McNoll. Is this the Casey Tom Brett McMurphy earlier today? This is only about scheduling. This is a, a tweet from earlier today. Brett's going to join us today at 4, that the Big Ten is strongly considering removing the requirement of league teams to play a Power 5 non-conference team annually. Starting in 2024, that, of course, is when USC and UCLA joined the Big Ten uh, the same year uh, that the college football playoff expands to 12 teams. So because of the addition of UCLA and USC is what this story about is we already have enough tough games because we're in our conference. We don't need to sit there and have any mandate of who you play in non-conference. Some schools, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, I'm not saying, maybe it's even Minnesota and Nebraska will still have non-conference games against Power 5, and there's that term, Power 5. Your thoughts about this story? Craig, start with you. Uh, yeah, it just seems like it could be for the folks that think that um, that uh, the two top leagues are going to break off. It seems like another step towards that, doesn't it? Or, I mean, at least if you were, like, formulating, like, how that could come to be, well, have uh, one of them stop playing teams from the Pac-12, the Big 12, the SEC, whatever, until the playoff, um, you know, and, and limit those types of games on the schedule. I think that's a, a bummer for fans of huge non-con games if, in fact, you know, 
it does result in everybody just saying, well, let's get a couple gimmies in here and then uh, go play our Big Ten schedule. Uh, but, you know, I, I enjoy the, the big non-con games, but I also understand that bringing two teams in the league and figuring out what you're going to do about scheduling and you have a greater emphasis on, you know, the, the league opponents that uh, you got to have some leeway somewhere. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I don't really think this is an era where you have to really worry too much about easing your schedules up all that much because of the expanded playoff. Right. So whereas yeah, one loss might have killed you, yeah. then that loss doesn't really kill you now. Um, yep. So I don't know how much this actually helps. Maybe it gets uh, some of the more mid or like B tier teams over the hump uh, in an expanded playoff era uh, versus an Ohio State who, if they lost to Alabama in week two, but runs the table, they're going to be totally fine, you know. But um, it's interesting uh, that they are what looking at that and it makes me wonder how you know the schedules continue to kind of evolve over these next few years like do we hear something similar from the sec in the future and then what does that mean if they both say like well we're not going to play you know power five teams anymore well then leaves you in a little bit of a pickle doesn't it if you're some of these other schools out there that want to have a power five opponent to bring folks to to your stadium in week number two or to have you know the big you know, bump on your schedule or whatever. So that's that's very interesting, and I know there's there's so much talk that's going on, whether it's the SEC or it's the Big Ten or whatever, about the future and about scheduling, and, and there's so much to figure out there. So that is an interesting little wrinkle um, for uh, the Big Ten. Ohio State has Notre Dame this year. That's not what they're talking about. In 2024, for them, this is a little bit – I'll use the word a little bit um, softer than they normally would have – Southern Miss, with all due respect to these programs, West Virginia, uh, West, Western Michigan, and there's Marshall who beat Notre Dame last year. But then they have Texas for a couple of years in a row, Alabama for a couple of years in a row, and that's normally what they do. Well, the other thing that's going to happen, like you can say all you want, you're going to have softer non-conference schedules and all that, and, and, and maybe you, you try because, like Craig said, it's not going to hurt you as much anymore, but... Eventually, that stuff's all going to come out in the wash. And also, TV is driving this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Conference realignment is about making better games over everything else because better games mean better ratings, mean all of that. So USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten because the TV muckety-mucks have decided that that is what is a better... USC versus Michigan is better than USC versus Oregon State. Yeah, and they but would is, rather, is USC against Rutgers any better? No, but if they can if they can somehow, you know... They're not going to play... Yeah, no. USC is... Without, they're no. not going to play Ohio State, They're, they're not getting Michigan, the Nebraska Penn schedule. State. Yeah, yeah right. they're not getting the yeah. Nebraska Welcome schedule. Welcome to the yeah. Big Ten, and now you're playing everybody that's ever won yeah. a national title. No, but that's what they're trying to do while mitigating the... The lesser ones. But, and by you know, the way, off. I would love that. I would but, love that. Michigan, future schedules. Texas in 24, well, Oklahoma, Oklahoma back-to-back, Texas and Washington. And that's normally what they do. I won't bring I think up any other Big Ten teams. No, I think it's just it's a little too early to have too strong of an opinion because it's not anything that's solidified. It's, it's basically an option you're going to have. So if you're Ohio State and you want to play Michigan, uh, or excuse me, you want to play Texas and uh, you want to go and play Oklahoma, and you want to go play Miami or whatever, you have every right to do that. They're not preventing you from doing that. But what they are saying is they're open to the idea of that not being a requirement. And so you don't have to if you don't want to. So guess what? If it would have been 
Baylor circa 2010 to 2015, uh, they would have seen that requirement and been like, all right, we're just going to play three cupcakes and we're going to roll into the Big 12. Play Buffalo. We're going to go, yeah, we're going to play Buffalo. We'll play ACU and Texas State and we'll be good to go for Big 12 play. And then there are others that, you know, whether it's a rivalry, uh, whether it's, you know, just the, the history of that or it's just wanting to pop a big. Uh, you know, attendance figure at the week two, week three game, they might still, or just wanting, it's the coach's mentality that, no, we need a we good need week two tested. game. We yeah. want a good week three game. We want to have this team go up against somebody who's pretty good. It's uh, it's going to be their choice. So it's not like, you know, the Big Ten's coming in and saying, we are forbidding you from playing this or we're not allowing this to happen. No, it's just it's whoever wants to do it the way they want to do it, that's fine. But for those teams that do want to take a bit of an easier path and say, well, that's one less difficult game on our schedule, you know, they can do that. You know who might do that? The so. ones that may not be so sure they're going to get to a bowl game, which is what right. Baylor did when they didn't go to a bowl game for 16 years. USC 2024, LSU and Notre Dame. On their schedule, 2025 Ole Miss and Notre Dame. They're going to always have a couple of those games, along with, uh, of course, uh, what they're going to play uh, in the Big Ten. And I think the difference is is that when you get to a certain point, what Baylor didn't do, and it's it's hard to schedule. It's not like when they, if they did want to, to try and call and play someone that the other person still has to pick up the phone. But what they did not do is make a concerted effort to add some of those right away when they had the opportunity to. So that's where it looked bad was where, okay, now, now your schedule has worked out for you. Let's see, let's see a better non-conference game. And then the response from that was the previous athletic uh, department administration was always like, I don't think we're going to do that. You know, or like, maybe we'll see, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Well, and so that's, there's that's a little difference there. Yeah. That's, that's changed with BYU before mm-hmm. they joined the conference. Now Utah, there's Oregon, there's Auburn. I am, so thrilled with it. I love it. Well, that they're, they're doing that now. And it's it's good for the FCS, you know, schools that if, you know, the Big Ten doesn't have this rule against scheduling them as they did at one point in time, then you know, that's terrific news that you can continue to play those types of teams because I would think with the schedules, you know, in theory ramping up um, and having maybe another game that's more difficult or another couple games that are more difficult, you're going you're gonna to love that FCS game. And the FCS teams are going to love that payoff and the experience and all those types of things. So I think uh, that's, you know, a good thing that will – uh, be in place for for Big Ten teams is to have the FCS opportunity because I think it's equally important for the other side of it. Not so much it's important for Michigan to have that opponent. It's important for the FCS school that's getting to go to Ann Arbor to play a game and make uh, some money. That's important too. I, I would I would amend one thing about playing the FCS schools. I would like to see the FCS schools be the spring game exhibitions. Are they going to make it? But they have, and that can be your guarantee game. Oh, look, they're not going to guarantee a spring game, are they? Well, like if you a want million dollars? To, well, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the guarantee games. I hate them. I know that they're important for that. I just Although, think. I'm just saying, you're not going to get the same money for a spring. I have no, always no. been not a spring game. I've always been. Why don't they allow in college football? I remember I've asked every Baylor coach that's been here, why not have, like, on the third week of August or second week in August, a scrimmage? What, what's wrong with that? I, oh, injury. Well, you can get injured anytime. You can get injured practicing against each other. So I've always wondered that. But I, I get what you're saying. But the FC, the FC I'm going to – it's not because my alma mater. 
They don't survive without those non-conference games. No, they I was don't. Try, I was trying to give you a, a compromise because you're going to sell tickets to a game that like spring. Game. Well, because there is. Well, I mean, there's only two options when you can do it. I mean, you're going to do it in the spring, or you're going to do it in like right before yeah. the season. When else are you going to do it? You're going to do it in the fall. Well, oh wait, you got a schedule. You're going to do it after the season. Well, you got to have a little bit of buffer time. So I understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, for those of us saying, well, that's great for the FCS schools. I know there's a lot of people not looking at it that way, and they hate that opponent. They hate, they don't want to play the FCS school it. in week two. They want to play another big-time game and want to see another big-time game. So that's this interesting tug-of-war that's going to go on with this expanded playoff of, like, what is the right way to schedule? What is the the best thing for everybody involved? And, and I know a lot of decisions will be just the best for who that per- person or the institution is involved, but there's definitely a split on whether there should be those types of games moving forward. And uh, I'm sure the Big Ten saying that they're going to allow it, not that they love it, not that they're encouraging it, but that they will allow it to some extent. Um, you know, that's going to be a split, I think, uh, opinion that you get back on that as well. Uh, so really, I guess it just depends on who you ask. Some people will love it, and some people will say, I'll, no, that should be another game against a big-time opponent instead. So I'll give you an yeah. example. Colby Carthel hates him. He's the head coach at SFA. It, it's not that he doesn't understand money. Uh, budget, but at the same time, he said his team, by the time they get to mid-September, late September, to start playing conference games, they are just, and that's a pretty good school, pretty decent amount of roster and all that. He said they are and, beat the hell and, up. And they've got FBS players that have transferred in yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, a great deal of time. My point is the, the spring game conversation has been brought up by coaches. Gus Malzahn talked about it this year. Um, other ones have said, like, I would rather, you know, it would be better if we could play, if we're going to do something, let's play a spring exhibition game they'd be for it. So if coaches are for it, look, maybe you're not going to do a million dollars. Of course, that could, could build up. You might be able to do a million dollars because it might still be in your budget and you're going to put more into the spring game. Plus, television would probably yeah, want it more. You think the it would be curious how much the attendance would be for? I know that Nebraska fills the stands, and some if UT has a coaching change or they, you know, they need to show some support. They'll even get a lot of people there, Oklahoma. But I, I wonder what the attendance would be if the attendances across the board would be much higher I, for a spring I, game than they are right now. When some schools just support it and some could say, okay, get it over with. I can At tell first, you t- absolutely they would be. Yeah. At first, yes. And two, the the You think that Oklahoma the spring Brock, game against finish. SFA. Yeah. Two okay. things. Two things. One, immediately yes, because if Baylor had played SFA in this spring, whatever the heck they did over here, would have been a lot more interesting to people than being able to sit in the stands and try to follow along with a scoring sheet of offense versus defense yeah, and that's a little whatever coach yep. games they're playing there. Uh, way more interesting than that. It's also, also, and let's not forget about this part, television. So for the streaming and for all the spring games that you're watching and you've got people, tons of them are on ESPN+. Plus. It's a lot better than, you know, two guys just basically sitting talking over a practice. Because that's all it really is. So if you have a spring game where the FCS teams are playing and there's at least a little bit of competition to it, way more interesting television all the way around. And way more interesting television means more money. I still think a game, I think a scrimmage in August would be more beneficial. Um, But that's that's, that's just my opinion. I'm not going to try to change your mind or your mind. I'm just giving you my opinion. From talking to coaches in the past, they would rather have it 
in August, but that could be changing now. I understand, but I think we're getting in the mud on the the point that you're making. Is it's like it's not it's not about whether it's in the spring or it's in the summer. It's just I think in general, like Paul thinks it'd be better in the spring. You think it'd be better in the summer. That's fine. It doesn't really matter. The point being of just the attraction itself would be a draw. I agree. The attraction itself yep. would be a no bigger draw when. than green or gold at McLean with the funky rules system or whatever that you're talking about. If you say, oh, it's Baylor versus, you know, Lamar, that's not going to get people, like, super excited, but it's something that's better it's than different. the green and gold game. Yep. Or yep. if it's Baylor-UTSA, you're going to be like, hell yeah, they probably sell that bad boy out for a spring game with Baylor and UTSA, even right. if it's a glorified scrimmage or if it's in the summertime. So I think that's, you know, something that was brought up I mean, that's been brought up for years, the idea of doing something along those I lines. I have asked since Art Browse, my first year here, ask him that question. Yeah, I agree. It has been a topic. Yeah, and it was this past you know month or two as well, and, um, and we saw some articles written about that, so yeah. Casey Thompson has found a home. This is not a surprise at all. Surprised it just maybe it took as long as it did. Former Nebraska and Texas quarterback reunited. With Tom Herman at uh, Florida Atlantic, as he's transferred from Lincoln to Florida Atlantic. And I believe, and I don't know who it was, uh, on the chat room even a couple of two or three days ago mentioned that that might be the perfect landing spot for him. And he's now reunited. And Tom Herman has a quarterback along with what he else right now on his roster. Well, look, it's, it, he's familiar with Tom Herman and uh, you know played for him for a few years. And look, uh, at the end of it, if you if you want to go as a quarterback and play an offense where the coach is going to give you a lot to do, that's Tom Herman's offense. So and Casey Thompson is sneaky, mm-hmm. pretty good. Not a, not like a burner, but he's not not bad about his mobility. He can run. His problem is he puts up a lot of numbers, but he also throws. He's always had issues with the interception. So good matchup there. Yeah, I mean, a little reunion there uh, makes sense. Uh, Casey Thompson had his shot at the, you know, Big 12 and Big 10 level and, you know, didn't uh, secure that spot uh, and, you know, hold on to it. So he moved around once and now he's moved around again. And and hopefully this time he's found a spot that's actually good for him that he'll he'll be able to settle into and uh, be the clear guy and hopefully have some success for his sake. But I think there's a comfort level there. Uh, I would imagine with Tom Herman that would, uh, you know, help uh, ease that transition. And, uh, yeah, I hope he can find his bearings and, you know, get the best out of him. But uh, I think that's a good good uh, combination right there. When we come back, a couple of comments from a text we received yesterday from the 515 about labels and college football, kind of going back to what Mike Oresco wrote and published yesterday. Also, NIL in the U.S. Senate and what it really is going on. We're going to have a guest in Brian Murphy who covers the East Coast uh, and the, the ACC in that area. He's going to join us at 345 on exactly what all this means. Paul had a pretty good note about it, too, that we'll share all of that and more. This is 365 Sports. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Aaron Duvall, owner, Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business, and we've specifically 
got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have, uh, you know, a good animal every now and then. But Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. It's Jeep season at Allen Samuels in Waco, and the deals are hot. Get a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $5,500 in total values or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with total values up to $5,000. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. So yesterday on the text line, I didn't get a chance to get to it, but uh, saw it last night and decided to copy a couple of the comments from the uh, 515. The first one, this is about Mike Oresco and uh, Group of Five, Power Five, etc. The labels in conferences are silly. Games still need to be played. The Big 12 runner-up beat the Big Ten champion last year. College football is unique. We get wrapped up around labels so much. I have a wrestling background. The second a whistle blows, rankings, ratings, labels go out the window. Same thing with football, basketball, softball, baseball, men's, and also women's sports. Now, I, I, I think that's, that's no question. It's like you, you don't, otherwise Vegas would be the standings, right? Whatever Vegas decides is who wins the game. There's no reason to play the game. Of course, we also know that they have odds to force you or want you to or tempt you to bet. Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. We appreciate the text, and we appreciate anyone. 254-339-1122 in the text line. Yeah, I do think, though, that's not even the – I think most people wouldn't even care if they just if they just started calling it something else and moved on. But Mike Oresco is, is running dangerously close to the uh, childhood, you know, rule of, look, if, if you all of a sudden have a nickname on the playground that you don't like, you better lean into it unless it's, you know, it's a slur. But if they start calling you – you know, stinky. Well, you got to lean into stinky, or it's it's going to stick. What was it, Craig and Paul, that Mac said yesterday that Mike Oresco, when he was running the Big East before it became the American, wanted to call them as part of the Power Six. So he wanted to have that label when he was a part of the Big East, and now that's a little bit of a different view for him now that he's a part of the American Conference. Well, things have slightly changed for him in his conference, haven't they? Um, with some of these teams leaving, it's not quite the power six-looking conference it was when Houston was making a, a run towards you know a great season or um, you know any other number of great accomplishments the AAC has had uh, when especially they were at their best going back to Cincinnati just here recently, Houston prior to that. They've had other moments and teams as well, but uh, I just think thou doth protest too much uh, is basically how that came across to me. I understand where he's – it's really not that big of a deal, for one. Like, it's really not a big deal at all, what he said. Uh, like, there's no re- reason for any sort of extreme reaction in any direction. Uh, he felt strongly and felt that he needed to say something to defend his conference and to put uh, something out there that hopefully people would glom onto enough to, to get the end result that he wants, which is to not be lumped into this non-Power 5 label. But, unfortunately, I think that that's going to be a lot more difficult to do than just simply writing a letter that I don't know how many people even ended up reading. Um, and the, the way that it was, it was, like I said yesterday, it was so long, and I'm a guy who loves to read, but it was, it was so long for what you thought was just going to be like a press release or something. It's like, oh, no, he went like in-depth on it. Like he went super into this, has been giving it a lot of thought. And I, I don't know how that really registered uh, for most folks, um, but I understand his position. Like I said, though, that doth protest too much is kind of how I felt about it uh, after the fact. And, um, you know, I don't think that, unfortunately for him, that's probably going away anytime soon. And like plenty of people pointed out, okay, well, it's the power two then. And then guess what? You're still not in this. Now you're just not, you're right. You're not non-power five. You're non-power two now. And, you know, that's why I asked Mac Rhodes the question about the power two and got his thoughts on that. But yeah, I mean, that's. That's just a guy fighting for his brand. Christopher Shannon, he's doing what he's supposed to do, lobby for his conference. There is no question. There's a difference between lobbying and bordering on writing a manifesto. (laughs) Because that's what he did. (laughs) You know, that's what he did yesterday was like, it was was probably another 600 words from being manifesto. Yeah, he had clearly he had laid he laid out his 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 thoughts in, in clear fashion, and he had a lot of them. And yeah, I mean, like I said, for somebody that doesn't mind reading, um, it wasn't that big of a deal. But I know for most people out there who are just like, what's this comment this person made? You know, and it's like you see all the, you know four page or however many it was. I don't know, I didn't count, but twenty five hundred words. It had to yeah, be like I just know that yeah. there's probably people that glanced at it and were like, anyways, and just roll, you know moved on to the next thing. So I don't know how big of a deal it, it even is, but uh, I again admire him for doing what he should be doing in that position that he's in. He should be fighting for the American Athletic Conference. He should be fighting to make them as relevant as possible. 
and she, he should be fighting, whether it's an uphill battle that's unwinnable or not, to try and put them on even footing with as many of the quote-unquote bigger programs as possible. And that's harder than ever before because not only is he losing three brands that are massive brands for that conference when you look at their history, um, but losing money as a result of that and you know losing a little bit of footing that they had gained with the Houstons and with the you know UCF or with the Cincinnati or whoever's had their successes here. Um, it's a tough pill to swallow, and uh, you know he's he's just doing what he can, but he's fighting from underneath for sure. And you know maybe that's the way the only way he felt that he could really take a big swing. Uh, but unfortunately for him, I think it's going to take a lot more than that for people to change their perce- perception of right. the non couple of conferences. My fault. Uh, the American Conference. If you look at the top level, Tulane last year beat USC in the Cotton Bowl, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. UCF. Uh, what was it? Five years ago or so. Made the run unbeaten. There was always a really, were they worthy of playing for the national title? Fans say, yeah, but others said, no. I mean, it didn't happen. Unfortunately, that was five or six, seven years too early based on the, on the playoff expanding. Cincinnati was in the semifinals just two years ago. So those are the three teams that were atop of the conference standings just then. So uh, there we go. So they've had, a, they've had, and of course, we know that UCF and Cincinnati are now gone. Houston also gone as they have moved into uh, the Big 12. Coming up, we're going to have Brian Murphy from WRAL Sports. He's an investigative reporter for uh, WRAL, but he also has really been focused in on the NIL and what's uh, going on in the U.S. Senate as far as should uh, people who contribute to NIL be tax, tax exempt. And we're going to, Paul, I want you to ask him the question you brought up earlier on how that reflects on politics and politicians who are trying to make this decision, who get money from these same NIL uh, businesses, et cetera. So we'll have that for you here in just a moment. Brett McMurphy today at four, Mike Casasso, who covers West Virginia at four thirty today. Now this is 365 sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for a great deal, for great customer service, and uh, for a great variety of new vehicles. Uh, they have been uh, a dealership that I've relied on a couple of different times when I've had car issues, and uh, I can say uh, with 100% certainty that uh, if I need something fixed up again, that is the place that I will be going to, even though I didn't buy my car there originally, but that's okay. Uh, I Thanks to the customer service, I can imagine myself when I do need to get a vehicle, hopefully not in the too soon future, but too near future. Uh, But when I do, uh, that'll be the place that I go and look because of the way they treated me the last time around. And right now, they've got the most advanced and luxurious pickup in its class. You can step up to the astonishingly advanced 1500 Sierra Crew Cab and save 3500 at Richard Carr. Well-qualified buyers can also get 0.9% financing and no payments for 90 days on most new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s in stock. Uh, and also, uh, looking around the rest of the lot, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. You've got the Buicks uh, offering a luxury line of SUVs with luxurious prices as well. You can experience the quiet escape and premium drive of a Buick on a test drive 
today at Richard Carr. Right now, save 3000 on the 2023 Buick Enclaves, plus well-qualified buyers get 2.9% financing and no payments for 90 days. So those are a couple of the offerings as far as new vehicles go. They've also got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks, many of those under $20,000, and their award-winning customer service department standing by to keep you on the road if you're just looking to get your car fixed up and repaired. So if you want to uh, go that route, not looking to buy, but looking to uh, just get fixed up, or if you are looking to buy, a lot of questions can be answered by going and visiting their website, richardcar.com. That's K-A-R-R.com. You can check out their service specials. You can see their uh, prices. You can also set an appointment for quick and reliable service. So check out the company, the business. It's been in uh, this community for over 24 years now in Central Texas, building a Reputation along the way is the people you can count on for your automotive needs. Run by proud Central Texans. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year, whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive through window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. You want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. (laughs) Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. 
you feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchie Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchie Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchie Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchie Group at 1-800-258-8302. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. So earlier today, Brian Murphy, who's about to join us from WRAL Investigative Sports Reporter, had these uh, tweets Bipartisan U.S. Senate bill that would not allow people to get charitable tax deduction for contributions to compensate athletes for NIL. And then college athletes have the ability to benefit from opportunities related to their NIL. Outside organizations, collectives should not be able to write contributions off their taxes that are being used to compensate athletes. That's not from Brian. That's from John Thun, the senator, Republican senator from South Dakota and Then he mentioned that North Carolina State and North Carolina both offer tax-deductible donation options for those who are involved in the NIL. Brian joins us on 365 Sports with Paul Craig and also David Smoke. Brian, we've been down this road before. Do you think anything will change? It's really hard to see this Congress, um, as divided as it is, passing a bill that deals with NIL. I mean, there are some some larger uh, bills that would deal with NIL. This is a very targeted bill uh john thune and and ben Cardin are are both um you know key senators on on the committee that would deal with this kind of stuff and the fact that they introduced it last year and it didn't go anywhere kind of tells me that that this probably isn't going anywhere the fact that that nobody else has signed on as a co-sponsor uh seems to be an indication that this probably won't go far it seems to be also opportunity. They had a you know an NIL hearing on Capitol Hill a month ago, so try to get it back out in the in the in the ether, so to speak, Brian. But one of the other things won't it be problematic to pass this, given that a lot of the people that it affects also make donations to politicians and don't want whatever tax they want to be able to do with their money, what they want to do with their money, and, and write off whatever they are supposed to be able to write off. Yeah, I mean, you know, it seems to me at least to make sense that, that, that you wouldn't be able to write this off, but you can also write off a lot of contributions to athletic departments that then go to pay uh, for fired coaches or, or contract extensions. So, you know, this is a, a tricky space, I think, for politicians because of what you said. Uh, you know, the same people that are often funding those campaigns are often funding athletic departments uh, all around the country. And so, this isn't like specific to a specific state or anything. This is a, you know, a, I think it's something like 40 of the states have division one football programs. Um, so you're going to run into problems if you, if you try to pass this in, in many, many states. 
Brian, the NIL, of course, just hit everybody almost blindsided. It took forever, and then all of a sudden, here comes Katie bar the door. It's almost like the transfer portal. Do you see anybody getting close to putting their arms around it, or do you feel like it's still, for right now, the wild, wild west? Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, uh, they're moving in the opposite direction. So here in North Carolina, um, basically there's an executive order from the governor that kind of uh, regulates NIL. Um, there was a key senator, and I wrote about this a couple weeks ago, a key senator said, hey, we need to get rid of that executive order. Other states are moving much faster and, and allowing way more stuff than we are, so we don't want that executive order to hold us back here in North Carolina. And so she said, we need to get rid of the executive order. So if anything, I think it's moving the opposite direction um, in the sense that some states, I think Arkansas, Colorado, are, are pushing the boundaries and saying, look, the NCAA can't even investigate NIL issues if they pop up in our state. Yeah, Brian, so if if that's happening at the state level and they're trying to do things at the national level, is this just window dressing when people say it because somebody's asked them about it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in some ways, Charlie Baker, the new, the new NCAA president, has even a better case, I think, to go to Congress and say, hey, we need a national law if if all these states are going to race to the, to the bottom, you could say, or race to the most lenient policy possible. He could say, look, we, we can't have 50 different states having 50 different policies. We need one national standard. Uh, whether that flies in a Congress that I said is, you know, bitterly divided. I mean, they can't even – they've got more important things to do, I guess is probably the best way to put it, than, than worry about NIL at the moment. Um, I, I, it's hard to see a, a sports bill getting the kind of traction it needs to get through the process at the federal level. And so, I mean, to me, it's up to the NCAA. Like, this is your job, right? Your job is to regulate college athletics. Um Come up with a solution. Figure this out. And and they've just been trying to punt to the national, you know, to the federal Congress for the last year or maybe even longer. Do you feel like Matt Baker will have a, at least a better puncher's chance because of his background? Charlie yeah, Baker. you know, Char- Charlie, Charlie Baker. I'm sorry, Charlie sure. Baker. Yeah. yeah, the former governor of, of of Massachusetts. He's a Republican. Obviously, was able to work with Democrats in Massachusetts to to not only get elected, but but Democrats in the in the state legislature there, sure, I think he probably has a better chance than Mark Emmert, who, who kind of became everybody's punching bag. Um, but, you know, you, you run down the list of important issues for Congress, and I, I'm just not sure this hits the top 10 or the top 20 for for very many, you know, representatives. Um, Senator Tuberville, you know, a former college football coach, is, is trying to get a bill together with Joe Manchin. Um, but that doesn't seem to be getting much traction either. So, and then there's, I know a democratic proposal that would be, you know, guarantee athletes healthcare and, and be a much more pro athlete. And I can't see that getting through, you know, the Republican house of representatives. So it, it just doesn't seem like the political will is there. And then it doesn't seem like a political path is there. either. Brian Murphy with us, WRAL TV, a sports investigative reporter, what are your takes on what we've seen the last couple of weeks with Alabama, baseball coach, and then Iowa State and Iowa? Probably just the start of what we might see more of when it comes to the gambling within college sports. Yeah, I, I follow gambling, the sports gambling measures here in North Carolina very closely, and, and North Carolina may become the next state to, to legalize mobile sports gambling. And, and I think it cuts two ways. One, I think uh, supporters of sports gambling will say, look, we only caught these things because the industry is regulated. And so, you know, the Alabama baseball coach could have been placing these bets 
And we never would have known about them if not for regulated gambling. And I, I think critics of, of this expansion of sports gambling will say, we're putting it in front of these kids day after day after day. You know, it, it, it's impossible to ignore and, and we're going to get more and more gambling happening. And that's a problem for us. So I think, I think this issue really cuts both ways. I mean, it, it may also be time for the NCAA to address its gambling. I mean, it, it says you cannot gamble on anything. Um, and so if you're a football player at the University of Iowa and you place a bet on the Super Bowl or you place a bet on the NBA Finals, that, that is against the rules. That's against the NCAA rules, even though it has nothing to do with, with your sport, nothing to do with your game. And so as gambling becomes ubiquitous around the country, does the NCAA have to come up with different lines um, to address this? Brian, my... I, I did uh, I did a segment on this, a top five uh, segment yesterday, and uh, it is going to be really interesting because right now they're they're starting to maybe turn away some of that money until they can get figured out. But I don't think that the college athletics can can spurn DraftKings and FanDuel and whoever else pops up forever, and they're they're wanting to spend ad dollars with those places. Yeah, I mean, some of these uh, you know Caesars I think had a deal with Michigan State and LSU, and they've sort of pulled back because of, of just how terrible that looks if guys are getting suspended for gambling and yet a gambling company is sponsoring your athletic department. On the other hand, as you guys well know, this is a never-ending search for dollars, and, and those gambling companies have lots of dollars to give. And so I don't, I don't know the answer. I mean, I, that, that's a really tough one, I think, for college administrators, for the NCAA to figure out, you know, where is this line? If we allow these gambling companies to, to sponsor our stadiums and, and put their name all over our stadiums, then – do we have to change our rules as to what athletes are allowed or not allowed to do? And I, that is a, you know, having a bright line, no gambling on anything ever is makes it pretty easy. If you start to, to loosen those lines, then, then I think it becomes even tougher. We never thought, at least I never thought there would be a college football playoff. We now have that. I never thought there would be a time, although it was long overdue that athletes would get extra money for their value. Right. Never thought we'd see an open transfer portal, so who knows? Maybe that will change a little bit the way the NCAA looks at gambling. Yeah, and, you know, it's not just the NCAA that has to deal with it. I mean, we've seen, sure. we've seen the NFL suspend Calvin Ridley. Now that they've suspended other players for, for simply placing a bet from the facility. I mean, you know, gambling has come so quickly. The Supreme Court decision was in 2018. We're, we're five years after that, and it's expanded to, I think, 38 states on the last count. Um, it, it's come so quickly that I think it, it's caught the leagues and the NCAA a little bit off guard with how do we, how do we handle this? Um, but, yes, I think the NCAA has changed so rapidly over, over even a shorter period of time that I don't, I don't put anything, you know, beyond. You know, if you told me in, in five years we only have two football leagues and, and players are employees and they can gamble, well, hey, Okay, that, that makes sense. I mean, who knows? You know, the NCAA is changing so quick. Brian, one more thing on the, the ACC from where you are in Raleigh. Um, which school right now, or maybe schools in the ACC, I know Miami had their flair uh, of dramatic when it comes to the NIL, but which, which schools in that Carolina area do you feel like have benefited the most? Is it Duke? Is it Wake Forest? Is it NC State, North Carolina? Who might that be? Yeah, I'm not sure any of the schools here in North Carolina have, have done as well with NIL as some of the other teams, you know, some of the other teams around the country. Um, there hasn't been 
you know, North Carolina basketball, I, I guess I should take that back. North Carolina basketball has really benefited from it, or at least we thought they would, you know, to get Armando Baycott back for another season. Um, they brought, were able to bring back the entire core of the Final Four team, um, and I think NIL played a huge role in that. Um, it didn't turn out so well. They, they were ranked preseason number one, and they didn't make the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, be careful what you wish for. But I think on that side of things, you know, North Carolina has had several, you know, a women's basketball player has, has you know, deals with Dunkin' Donuts and Beats and all of that. But, you know, you look at what LSU has been able to do on, on the women's basketball side or the women's gymnastics side. You look at Texas A&M, you look at Miami. There hasn't been those kind of breakout performances from the from the schools here in North Carolina. If anything, you know, the transfer portal uh, combined with NIL, and I think those two go hand-in-hand hand, even though they're not related, um, ha- has hurt North Carolina football. I mean, they've lost 21 players to, to the transfer portal from last year's team. Um, North Carolina State's been a little better. Duke kind of swims in a different pond there. But, you know, Wake Forest lost its quarterback to Notre Dame. Is that something that would have happened before the transfer portal, before NIL? probably not. Brian, thank you very much. Appreciate you jumping on with us. Brian Murphy, WRAL-TV on the NIL in the Senate and and also many other, including iGaming or gambling or what else is out there when it comes to college athletics. We appreciate his time. When we come back, Brett McMurphy, Action Network, uh, HQ, he joins us. He's the one, Brett, that had the story earlier today about the Big Ten and looking at what is a mandate or not when it comes to the non-conference schedule. What does that mean? And then do you think other conferences might join that fray as well? And just thoughts about various stories surrounding the landscape of college athletics and college football. And this is 365 Sports. IdealMRI.com, Dr. Rob Maxey and his staff. They are phenomenal at what they do. You can be a business that has an MRI, and you can have a great staff, and they do. But you have to have elite, top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art technology MRI machine, and they do. I've been in it. I've seen the images. Doctors see it all the time. Other patients do, too. And if you need to figure out what is hurting you, if your doctor suggests you need an MRI rather than an X-ray or something else that they've tried, IdealMRI.com is a great reason, a great place for you to be there. Two different, pick them, two different reasons. One, the location, the technology, the staff, the, all that, all the above, fantastic. But also the cost, $497 or less for what averages over $1,100, just that's the average. 497 for an MRI every single time, not once, every single time. IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace. Dr. Rob Maxey, the staff, the specialists, those who say hi to you when you walk in the door, those who help you set up an appointment that will help you and your doctor at IdealMRI.com. Cars price right Trust. 
Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Warm. Welcome home. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Brett McMurphy earlier today on the story involving the Big Ten future schedules. We've discussed that a little bit amongst ourselves and also with those of you in the chat room, too. Uh, Brett McMurphy joins us on 365 Sports. Brett, thank you very much from Action Network HQ. So, is is this... Is this to protect people because they're adding USC and UCLA? Or is this actually to protect those in the middle pack of the Big Ten so they can try to get to enough wins to get to a bowl game? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's to protect the, the middle tier and the bottom tier, if you will, because, you know, they already have nine conference games, obviously, but with USC and UCLA, um, there's more bodies to climb over, if you will, to get to the top of the league. And I think it's more for, you know, it's, this isn't for the Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, uh, et cetera. It's for basically everyone else to basically be able to schedule an automatic win, or at least you hope it's an automatic win. You can't lose those games, but we've seen those upsets. And so that can get you to, you know, six wins, full eligibility, and keep the, keep the uh, fan bases somewhat uh, subdued until next year. Um, but again, it's it's not a requirement. It's an option. You can heck, you can play three power fives if you want. Mm-hmm. Nobody's that in the non-conference. Nobody's that stupid except West Virginia. <laughs> so uh, I don't think uh, I don't know if we'll see much change or not. But I it's it's funny they've kind of had this. They've actually had this requirement, um, you know, for the last several years. But then it wasn't. But then they kept granting exemptions to this rule. Where basically a team would go, well, hey, we're playing Cincinnati or Cincinnati count. And this is before Cincinnati got the college football playoff, and the Big Ten would say, okay, well, you know, they they raised uh, this much value as far as TV markets and that sort of thing. So like, okay, they count. Okay, BYU they count. Um, even UConn counted um, at one point. So um, it, it is surprising to me because I actually thought with the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams, that we actually would see more Power 5 non-conference matchups because, in theory, you can lose those type of games and you're not eliminated from making a 12-team field. You lose those games in a 14-team field, and, yeah, you greatly decrease your odds. So, like anything else in college, college football, college athletics, it's, you, know, you don't have to wait too long until it changes. So we'll have to see what happens. I do know a lot of people kind of looked into this and kind of, in their opinion, they thought, hey, here's, here's, this makes it look like the Big Ten's going to 10 games, conference games. I, from people I talk to, they're going to stay at nine. Because if you, if you add 10, then you're guaranteeing an additional loss for, you know, eight of the teams in the conference. And that's, that's hard to swallow. So I think if you keep it at nine, you can schedule your, your, um, you know, your group of fives. You can add an FCS program in there, which ironically in 2024, um, future Big Ten member USC will be the only school in the country that has never, ever played an FCS opponent because Notre Dame will play an FCS, FCS opponent last year. They were, then the USC were the last two standing. Brett, uh, how much of this, though, could change after the first two years of this where everything could get thrown into flux all of a sudden? Absolutely. I mean, you know, at that point, you know, conference memberships could be drastically changed. The Big Ten could be on 16 schools. The SEC could be beyond 16. Again, they can change anything on a dime if they want. Uh, but, you know, obviously with the – this is a good – time frame for them to do this with the Big Ten going up to 16 schools uh, in 2024. And, you know, again, for scheduling, they want to give out as much advance notice as you can because for some 
strange reason, these schools and athletic directors love to schedule games. You know, literally, uh, I'm going to guesstimate here about 40 years in advance. Is that about right, guys? So, um, you know, it's uh, yeah. they want to give them as much notice as possible. But certainly if there is a, cha- a drastic change in conference membership, um, they would obviously change that, revamp it, um, do whatever they need to do. Brett, what did you think about uh, as we get into this world where there's clearly separation that's occurring all over the place? It's just to what extent we don't quite know yet. Um, you know, I know the FCS FCS schools. Uh, there's mixed feelings uh, from those coaches on how much they love the payday and the butt whooping most of the time versus how much better it actually makes their teams. But uh, speaking of separation, Mike Oresco and his comments on the American <laughs> Athletic Conference and uh, the letter that he sent out yesterday. We talked a bit about it. Um, just what, what were your thoughts on on the Power Six? No, it's not the Power Five. No, it's it's not any power label whatsoever. Where did you kind of stand on on what he had to say? How much longer can I, can you interview me? Because that's how long I will go off on this. Um, as long as you want, man. I, I will make it brief. So the first time he did this, I think he did this back in the end of March, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, and it basically, it was was a lot shorter. But basically said there shouldn't be any Power Fives. And I tweeted something like, you know, isn't this ironic that, you know, the guy who was pushing that his league was a power six and he put it on the first down chains and he put it on the, on the field and he had all these logos made up and yada, yada, yada is the guy who now says, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have these designations. Um, and you know, I guess he's right. And so I vow from this point forward as I, as I tweeted yesterday, I will only refer to the conferences as the power two which is the Big Ten SEC, the middle three, which are the remaining uh, former Power Five school conferences. And then there's still the group of five. I think Mike wants it to be the Power Two and everyone else um, because he wants to be, say that they're on equal footing. And again, can any team in the American beat any team in, in, in any other conference? Absolutely. But this is not about on the field wins and losses. This is about power. This is about how much your meteorite um, deals are worth. This is much how this is how much you're worth to the college football playoff. This is how much how attractive you are to bowl partners. I mean that is the power. It's not win or it's not whether you can win or lose on the field. But yeah, he dropped a twenty six hundred word open letter um, yesterday, I don't know if you guys, if any of you guys had any background in, in, in writing, but you probably would have got paid a lot if you wrote a 2,600-word article. Your editor would have chopped it in half. But all I know is by the time I got done reading it, I think three more schools announced they were leading the league. So, um, you know, look, the, another uh, former reporter uh, – not another former reporter. A former reporter I know used to cover uh, – uh, the Big Ten, he said, Woody Hayes, <laughs> this is a great line, Woody Hayes um, basically had a way of, of calling it, kind of how the conferences are now. The Power Two, which is basically all the starters flew on one plane, and the rest of the plane was uh, AO, all you others. Oh. So maybe that's how we should refer to the conferences now, the Power Two, 
and AO, all you others. But yeah, I know I've, I've rambled on almost as long as, as Mike Oresco's letter, but it, it, I thought it's a joke. It's hypocritical. Uh, you can't claim your power six one year and then the next year come back and say, Hey, yep. there's no power five. There's no group five. We're all equal. Hogwash. There's a reason why conferences, bowls, playoff pay more for some schools more than another. And that's, that's the reality. There's a totem pole, there's a pecking order. And right now the American is basically conference USA. And Mac Rhodes brought up the power six reference to the big East when Oresco was running the big East during the, and right during before the transition, Brett, uh, we are still waiting. And uh, I know it's a story that just never ends. And hopefully one day it will with the PAC 12, let me ask you this. This is uh, just somewhat hypothetical, and I'm not trying to stir it up, but I'm curious. Right now, it appears as if uh, what they're waiting on is some sort of legitimate deal that whatever percentage is Amazon, uh, Apple Plus and the other percentage is linear. Do you ever see a scenario when the Big Ten would ever again look at Oregon, not again, would they look at Oregon and Washington if somebody from the Pac-12 was to leave for the Big 12? First, uh, kudos for, I don't want to stir it up, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> that line of questioning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not going to stir it up, but, no, look, this is what I've said for several months. Probably the last time that I, that I talked to you guys, and I keep hearing this. This, this is if, and, but this is a big if, but if Colorado or Arizona, who, as of we talk right now at, you know, 4 p.m. Central Time, they appear the most likely candidates to lead the Pac-12 for the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Does that mean they're going to do it? Absolutely not. Could they do it? Absolutely. If they do that, again, that's a big if. If they do that, I've been told by people that I trust that at that point, the Big Ten could look, take a harder look at Oregon and Washington because at that point, Oregon and Washington would not that they're, not that they're not desperate now, but they would be even more desperate at that point to get out of the league. They could get Oregon and Washington for even a smaller share. What, until they gradually ramp them up to a full share. And again, the only reason the, that the tax, excuse me, the Big Ten would do it is they have to be, you know, financially it has to make sense as far as the TV market. I'm told that the Big Ten and Fox do not want to have blood on their hands from mm-hmm. being, they're the reason that the Pac 12 blew up. So, in a way, they're kind of sitting back to see what happens with Colorado and or Arizona. If they go to the Big 12 and that opens the floodgate, then I think you would see Oregon and Washington come in. Now, would it be in 2024? I don't know if it could be done that quickly. I do know, I, re- I reported this last August or December, I it all ran together, that they had had in-person meetings with the Big 10. I've been told they have been, they basically have been vetted. They have been cleared. They are ready for takeoff. All the questions have been answered about Oregon and Washington. It's just when and if the Big Ten decides they want to add those schools. 
Now, what makes that even more complicated is if Colorado and Arizona don't do anything and stay in the Pac-12, Pac and there's you, you guys have seen the speculation about any of the teams from the ACC decide to try to climb over the wall and get out of the grant of rights before 2036 and are successful, then the Big Ten certainly would look at a number of ACC schools, and so that could impact Oregon and Washington. So that would be another reason for Oregon and Washington to try to get out as soon as possible. Um, you, didn't, you didn't ask me this, but I'll just bring it up. One of the, I know uh, a couple of weeks ago I was in Arizona and, and Dennis Dodd reported ESPN was no longer part of the, of the Pac-12 dealings. Um, I think The Athletic and, and uh, Sports Illustrated reported the opposite. What I've been told is that ESPN is going to t- always talk to the Pac-12. If they can get something for pennies on the dollar, mm-hmm. they are going to do it. So technically, they are never out of the running for the Tier 1 rights. If they can get the Tier 1 rights for chump change, they will do it, okay? Realistically, that's probably not going to happen at the price of Pac-12 wants. Now, I was also told that for the same example I gave you with the Big Ten not wanting the Pac-12's blood on their hands, ESPN feels the same way. And so, basically, when Dennis's report came out, my understanding was is that, you know, ESPN does not want to be viewed as breaking up a conference or blowing up a conference. And so that's, I think, why you saw conflicting views on this is because at the end of the day, ESPN doesn't want to, you know, want it, the perception that they blew up the league. And I want to be very clear. They're not responsible for what's going on with Pac-12. So, but they also don't want it to look that way. But it reminds me of, and I was at ESPN when this happened, when the Big Big East had a monster TV deal offer from ESPN. The Pac-12 had actually just got a monster deal, I believe, with Larry Scott. Boy, the good old days. And this is, I think, 2014, 2013, 14, 15, around then. The Big East turned down this monster TV deal at the time because they thought they could get more money based on what the Pac-12 got. Well, guess what? ESPN said, okay, you don't want this deal? Fine. Then you go find something else because the Big East wanted more money. So the Big East went and they signed a deal with NBC Sports. And because ESPN had the previous rights, ESPN had a right of refusal. That meant that whatever deal that the Big East got, ESPN could match it or they could just let them go. So when the Big East came back to them with this new deal from NBC Sports, it was actually less money that ESPN initially was going to pay them that the Big East turned down. So then when ESPN said, wait, NBC Sports is paying you this much? Then ESPN decided, well, if it's for that small amount of money, then we will retain your rights. Could something similar to that happen with the Pac-12? It's very possible, but um, you know, I kind of, you know, kind of been all over the map with your question here. No, but basically, that's kind of. I'm trying to kind of sum everything up with kind of how, the, how these reports come out with Pac-12, how the how the negotiations are going, and one last thing, you know, I, I know you guys are well aware of uh, John Elrand and Andrew Marshant. Mm-hmm. 
the New York Post Sports Business Journal, they did a podcast uh, today, actually came out, and they had a reference to what was going on with the Pac-12 and a lot of the same things I'm hearing. Amazon, you know, is probably not going to be a partner because they just want one game. They're not going to get the top game. You know, I've heard from people that I – look, I trust these people very much. I've heard people – had people tell me Apple is no longer part of the Pac-12 deal. I've had people tell me Apple it definitely is part of the Pac-12 deal. We will not find out. But one thing that jumped out at me is just kind of simplified things is Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, who's a sports media reporter. That's his only only duty. And he said, the thing about the Pac-12 is they've said a lot of things that have not been true. And I guess he's talking about media that covers the Pac-12, Pac-12 presidents, and all these different things. So until we actually see what the Pac-12 is going to get, and I guess, you know, the latest from the Washington State president, is it's still, you know, a couple months off, then we're not going to know what happened. But if Colorado or Arizona decide to make a move before they get the numbers to the Big 12, then all hell breaks loose. Brett, I've asked this to a couple of different people because I'm curious on their answer to this question. Do the Pac-12... Um, leaders, they may know in reality that USC and UCLA and therefore that LA television market is gone, but do they believe it to be different? Like, have they accepted the fact that your conference is not the same without them? Because it appears to me in some regards that they are moving forward as saying like, yes, we understand that they're gone, but nothing should change. Yeah, I mean, presidents, for the most part, don't deal with their athletics unless there's a, a huge issue or, or, you know, put out a fire or, or something like that. So I don't necessarily think the presidents are looking at it that way. I do know from from someone that I talked to that, that's, um, you know, pretty plugged in and, and has, a, has a good source at one of the pack, remaining 10 Pac-12 schools, they had somebody tell them, Again, sometimes everyone gets so down in the weeds with all this stuff where sometimes it's the simplest answer is, is usually the best answer. And basically, they had somebody at Pac-12 school tell them, you know, look, should we re- stay in the Pac-12 and do what we can to stay in the Pac-12 and make the best of it? Or should we go to the, to the Big 12 because what's left? in the Pac-12 is not the Pac-12 that we join. There's no USC, there's no UCLA, there could be San Diego State, SMU, Colorado State, Tulane, New Mexico, pick your flavor of the month. It could be joining the league. So that's something that these these schools and presidents got to decide. You know, how long do we keep holding on to this Pac-12 when in reality, you brought up a great point, you know, you're no longer in LA. And yeah, you can bring in San Diego, San Diego State, they're a fine program, but they're not the they're not the LA market. They're different. They're not the same. If they were the same as USC and UCLA, they would have been in a Pac-12, you know, 20 years ago. They're not. That's reality. That's not me being negative against the Aztecs. That's reality. When we talked about, you know, Resco and the pecking order, there's a pecking order, and there's a reason San Diego State is not in a in a Power Five conference. So. You know, these presidents have to look at a lot of different things. Um, it, it's difficult to make this decision. And the other thing, kind of unrelated but related, is 
when I, I noticed whenever a university president makes a public statement or does an interview and they talk about how committed they are to the Pac-12 and, you know, everything's going to work and we want to stay in our league and everything like that, everyone's like, okay, see, nothing's going to happen there. He just said it. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. You guys, this, <laughs> this sounds exactly like an athletic director supporting his coach the day before he fires him. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these, all of these university presidents are a thousand percent committed to their conference until they're not. Um, and so what do you expect him to say? Oh, by the way, uh, you know, we love it in the Pac-12, but in a month and a half, we're leaving the conference. No one's, no one's ever going to say that. So it's just funny, but it's on social media. I'm just, I'm blown away by the, by the responses of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 fans. It's, it's become oh, like it's- almost as toxic as, Republicans and Democrats trying to determine if the sky's blue or not. It's uh, so I just want. I, look, I care less what happens. I just want something, <laughs> something so it's final. We know who's going to be in what conference, and let's move forward. Yeah, I mentioned that it's the only thing I've ever seen where you draw a line in the sand for red states and blue states, other than Congress or, or politics. And you're right on that. You mentioned litigation, and the Big Ten, of course, has USC and UCLA. And, Brett, I know you have to go, and we appreciated your time. We appreciate your time. Do you feel like with the Big Ten or would either of the networks of ESPN and Fox, would they have any issues with litigation or have to worry about litigation or even the Big 12 since there's this thought that they're trying to basically just pick away at the Pac-12? Or is that just the Big Ten because of what they've already done not need to be the, the the one that does it again, at least immediately until somebody else does. Yeah, no, I don't think there's anything that, that the uh, the networks have to worry about. I mean, look, all the all the realignment that's happened over the past, you know, 20 years, we would have seen something at this point. You know, the only litigation is going to be if Team A is leaving Conference A to go to Conference B, the litigation is how much is it going to take to get out? If an agreement can't be made, then there would be litigation. I don't think, obviously that wouldn't happen with the Pac-12 because they're granted rights ends after the 2023 season. Where it could come into play, and there's going to be some lawyers, you know, in the Southeast, they're going to make a boatload of money is if and when some ACC schools try to get out of that grant of rights, before 2036, mm-hmm. there's going to be, you know, over-under on lawsuits is probably, you know, the number of, uh, you know, passing yards for for Bryce Young last, last year. I mean, it's going to be crazy, all this stuff that will be flying around. But that's usually just between the, you know, the conference and the schools. I don't, I don't see anyone – even if you wanted to, like, litigate against the network, you're almost you're suing basically the, the hand that feeds you. Yeah, no, it's going to pay you money. So it's you kind of like deal with it and and kind of move on. It's not like when Bowlesby did the cease and desist for ESPN and the American or whoever it was because <laughs> they were yeah. they, they were fighting for their absolute last breath at the time and it worked. It actually worked, but yeah, at the same time they still ended up with a deal with ESPN an extension. But yeah, that's a dangerous play. Without a doubt. Hey, Brett, great stuff. I know we took a lot longer than I asked you to be on with us. We appreciate your time. And maybe before we get to the early part of the summer, which is just around the corner, 
there will be an end, whatever that is, with the other conference looking for a TV deal in the Pac-12. Thanks for your time. You got it, guys. Thank you. Brett McMurphy, Action Network HQ. Yeah, lot, we covered a lot there, a lot. And, and really interesting. I mean, there's just... I like this could have been any of the conferences that have lost people over the last few years, but the Pac-12 did find themselves in the worst possible time for all this. Where it's just hard for me to see, even if they stick together now, given what is constantly going on, a reasonable way forward for them to be the same or even close to what they were in the past when this comes around again. I just can't believe that Brett made all that up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there'll be a response. There will be that. No, I actually I had envisioned like an old Wild West gunfighter after they shoot their shots and the smoke's coming out of the barrel and just, you know, like yeah. blow the smoke off the barrel. That's kind of what I envisioned him doing after he hangs up the phone. It's just like, just uh, firing all that out there. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good information, a lot of, you know, stuff that we've heard or maybe not so much. And, yeah, I, I'm with you, though, Paul. Like, that to me is why, um, you know, a few days ago – we talked about the just the grant of rights aspect of this, uh, to your point. I mean, that's the part there, just the whole trust factor and the longevity of this all is where I would be, like, worried about the cracks not really being able to go away entirely, no matter what you do. I mean, because the, the only way to, like, smooth any cracks over, you think, would be a, a super satisfactory deal, but since that doesn't appear like that will probably be the case. Now, satisfactory, sure, possible super satisfactory like everybody's got a full stomach and is warm and cozy that's not on the horizon it doesn't look like so yeah if you are these schools who are kind of you're on you're like it it sucks because you're you're just waiting uh and and waiting in, in some cases um not really knowing if an offer's coming your way or if it's not the ones at least you know the two schools we keep talking about that could really crater this whole thing um, you know, just how long are you on that leash? How long are you on that line before you just throw your hands up and you're fed up with it? But right now, it's too early to, to be uh, in that position. And looking at the way college athletics is going, you're certainly in no rush to be like, no, we're just going to ignore the Big Ten if they came calling. And we're we're going all in with the pack, baby. Ten-year grant of rights. We're, that's just not realistic. So, to me, this whole thing about how much the money is and, and all that, I've been really just wondering about the, the grant of rights aspect of it and what does it – cement uh if anything and for how long and and does it you know fill the stomachs enough to where all of this goes away it doesn't appear there's anything coming down the pipeline that's going to do that so yeah that remains an underlying issue if not an, an outright public issue and how you know that plays into this is is very interesting stuff yeah appreciate a lot of you on the uh, chat room on your thoughts on the interview at the time with brett craig's uh, analogy was great about the gunslinger uh, Bob Kramer, interesting interview. Thanks, guys. Uh, also, uh, Juan throwing his comments in on it as well. Um, and, and then uh, here's one that uh, was was interesting. Where is it? It was from Lorenzo. You guys like setting college sports on fire? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's not true at all. I, we just like we're it's here just so um, emotional, you know, no, for well, everybody. Yeah, look, I'm not. I'm not sitting here with kerosene and a match, like waiting for something. I'm watching a fire burn and just unable. Like I am, I'm not the fire. We're not the fire department, right? We are bystanders in this. So there's the fire is already burning. College Listen, football's we, on fire. We've had guests. We're from, we're just sitting there going, eh. 
Yeah, and, yeah. and it's just so emotional, and it's just a never-ending story, and who knows if whenever that timeline might get to that point. Yeah, I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> Correct, God damn. <laughs> I just think that it, it is an interesting story because it covers candles. a lot of bases uh, and a lot of fan, you know, a lot of fan bases and a lot of different bases of just, you know, the various interest levels and the inner and outer workings and behind the scenes of college football and you know, general things like the structure of a, I mean, it's just so all encompassing, right? Because of where we are in the timeline of college athletics is like, there could be two things going on. There could be 200 things going on, like as a result of this or, or after effects or what have you. Um, I mean, everything could be touched to some extent. Uh, and, and so that, and there's just, everybody's involved to, to some other extent as well. Granted, there might be half of the, the country out there that you know, is safe and secure and, and locked away, and they're not too worried about it. But for anybody in the ACC right now, this is what you're thinking about. For anybody in the pack right now, this is what you're wondering about. Or anybody in the Big 12, this is what you're wondering about. So it, it covers a lot of bases. And even still, like, the I don't trust the SEC just sitting on its hands for one single second. I don't no. know about you guys. When they get quiet, that's They might be you, the, yeah. the most active for all we know. And we know the Big Ten's involved, at least in the talk about it. So – that's it, that it touches a lot of bases, like I said, and it's it's just an interesting topic. Although it can be, depending on what side you are on any given day, it can be a frustrating topic for sure. Were you using that lighter because we're about to go into a rock concert or something like that, and it's going to no. turn the lights out? No, I just uh, yeah. you said that, and I I reached uh, down in my my bag of uh, trinkets here and pulled this out i didn't even know if i had one for sure but it was great time when we come back uh, he covers west virginia we told you about the discipline for bob huggins the hall of fame coach at west virginia we will hear from somebody who's written a story about it that's next this is 365 sports waco custom marketplace their weekly specials and every week right now until the season ends live crawfish at just over three dollars a pound they have 30 pound sacks of live crawfish there's some dudes now, uh, and you can get that at Waco Custom Marketplace on Lake Air Drive in Waco. 30-pound sacks at just over $3 a pound. Order by, well, you have until 6 o'clock on Wednesday, so an hour and a half today. Pick up anytime after four Fridays or throughout the time they're open on Saturday. And they don't have just the crawfish. They have the corn. They have the red potatoes. They have the oil, the, uh, what you, whatever you need for whatever you're going to do as far as uh, they have the big pots if you want when it comes to a crawfish boil. Sausage, yes, they have that too. Also, right now, uh, they have pork steaks on sale for $1.99 a pound. Bacon ends and pieces, $1.50 a pound. Chicken tenders, $2.25 a pound. Boudin, that's been a popular topic of who likes it or not in the chat room at $2.99 a pound. A frozen pound of fresh chorizo, $1.99 a pound, and 50 15% off all fresh shrimp. They have large alpha, big, large, even Devane with the tails on only shrimp if that's what you want for your crawfish foil too. Ribeye choice select and prime ribeye steaks from $10.99 to $23.99 a pound. Waco Custom Marketplace at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. 
Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com. Don Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carol and Ashley... Don Schumanor in the Talwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or chief sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs. Knowing you, that's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel & Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel & Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel & Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at PioneersBoys.com. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers. 
This is 365 Sports. Want more updates during the day? Follow 365 Sports YT on Twitter. Before we get to Mike Casasa, 247 Sports covers West Virginia. Emery, where are we on the subs? 300? Is that right? We're about 300 subs away from 30,000 here on 365 Sports that was at zero back when we started in April of 2020. We appreciate those who have not subscribed. We appreciate you if you would. Now joined by Mike Casasso. Thank you for your time, Mike. 247 West Virginia. Did West Virginia University get it right today? First question, which is superior, 24-7 sports or 365 sports? <laughs> we'll have to figure this one out. Yeah. We'll save that for another day. Yeah. Did they get it right? Um, I would say they did not get it wrong. There's there's degrees of right. You're certainly not going to make enough people happy here to keep everybody quiet one way or the other, perhaps especially when the individual in the middle of it all is Bob Huggins, who on this campus in this state is, I mean, gubernatorial. I mean, he could really run for office and win the big one here. So um, that's that's kind of like a Rushmore figure when it comes to the history of athletics at the school based on his playing career and now his coaching career. So, you know, you're going to have people who are like, you absolutely can't touch this guy. And if you do touch him, it's too much for someone like him who's done as much as he has. And then you're going to have, you know, the academic types of the university or people who are not as invested in academics, excuse me, in athletics as maybe a layperson is. And they're just going to see the words and know that it, the impact it may and can have on the affected communities there and think that it doesn't matter who this guy is and what he's done. What he said is painful and detrimental to the university. And he's got to go or what they've done is not enough. Um, I think that they probably landed as close to the happy medium as they can. I'm surprised it's not more games. I'm surprised it's as much, it's as much money as it is. And I'm surprised that people are looking over his contract and especially, you know, his, his golden parachute was severely altered. So his future is, I would say, uncertain right now, and that was not the case just three days ago. Would you say that that means he's kind of on a year-to-year review now? I mean, that's absolutely what it is. He kind of was before. He had to inform his athletic director by May 1st of one year if he was going to coach not the following season but the season after. So that's quite a runway. I mean, quite a cushion. That's basically on May 1st. You're getting two more years if you think about it because you're already going to get that next year coming up. So by May 1st of 2023, he had to commit to the 2024-2025 season. That never happened because there's an athletic director transition here and they're doing a whole bunch of different things and Bob Huggins isn't going anywhere and he's going to be here next year. But now you have a guy who was under contract through the 26-27 season who is now under contract through just the 2024 season. So that's a big, big change for somebody who – Not only was he going to be the coach for two more years, but for two or three years beyond that, he was going to be in an emeritus position, which means ambassador, run around, do fundraise, and be the face of a cancer hospital here in Morgantown. Um, By the looks of it, that stuff's out the window right now. We might come back in. We'll see. He can earn that back through this rehabilitation course that they've plotted out, but he still has to do that. It's not there right now. And Again, that's not the case three days ago. Mike, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people pointing out, well, you know, if he wasn't as winning of a coach as he was or if he didn't have this recruiting class coming in or whatever, and that's that's understandable, but any sense of, you know, ramifications roster-wise or incoming player-wise on if this is something that, you know, makes guys go, huh, uh, or, or changes minds, anything along on, on that front, I suppose? Yeah, so incumbent players – 
have heard pretty harsh things from Bob Huggins. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not. I don't. I don't I, I'm not trying to equivocate or, or make light of what he said, but he, he is not known to be like the Queen's English when it comes to coaching and games. And there are people, frankly, in the university who have just been kind of uh, embarrassed sometimes by the language they've heard from behind the bench. But that sometimes comes with the whistle and the clipboard too. Um, what happened Monday is not part of the job description for sure. And it's not anything that's acceptable, but I think a lot of people who are not surprised by this have witnessed something like this before. I mean, again, maybe not the words, maybe not the rhetoric specifically, but they've heard them say some things. I don't think it runs off anybody here. Um, transfer portal closes tomorrow. They have a roster of 13 players on scholarship. A couple of people who would have been in line to play this year, if not for the transfers they brought in who have really brought them down the bench and made their life a little bit more difficult as far as getting minutes next year, they're not going anywhere now. And this isn't going to make them more likely to go anywhere. Um, I'm sure that coaches could use it against them in negative recruiting, but they've been doing that to Bob Huggins for years at various different schools. I don't think that'd be anything new. And this is such a public thing right now that I don't know that anybody could say something that's beyond the headlines as far as like what it might inflict to the reputation of the university. So the bad part's already out there and it's very bad, but what are you going to tell a college basketball player right now? That is worse than what they've actually seen the last couple of days. They're, they're hoping to change the talking points to give them more human and uh, redemptive things to talk about again, through this rehabilitation program they've plotted out. Mike, only Bob Huggins knows what he's learned. It's, it's his life that, that he is living. I, I, we've always really kind of had a soft spot for him, even though he's kind of got that that intimidating look and stuff. But we've been in enough press conferences with him, seen enough about him. When will he be the, in front of the public again? When will that happen? Is there is there going to be that, or is this going to be kind of a simmering and just kind of let this thing calm down or simmer for a little bit? It's interesting. Um, you know, he was supposed to be doing, they call it the Mountaineer Athletic Club, their, their coach's care, man. That's like a, a rubber chicken fundraising circuit. They're supposed to have events Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. They pulled him out of the ones this week. Um, they said he had a scheduling conflict, but the scheduling conflict was, we need you to do anything else but be on the stage. So he did, and he's out of the, of the public eye right now. My my understanding of talking to people who have come across him or know him um, he's really down about this. And I'm sure that, you know, you expect to hear a lot of that stuff too, but very thoughtful person. I'm sure he's stung and embarrassed by this and that those words that he put out there are probably true. I do not expect him to come out and, and do anything that is like a sit down, clear my name, like a, like a 60 minutes or an Oprah Winfrey thing. I don't think you'll see anything like that. This is a guy who guys, we're still waiting on the news conference celebrating his hall of fame induction. <laughs> oh. like we never had one here because he's not into that. And I don't, I don't think he's into how can I fix this by some artificial microwaved quick healing process? Let me get out there and take some questions. Let me get out there and sit down with a community leader from an LGBTQ group. And I don't think that's him. I think he's going to do what's been prescribed. I think he'll be curious and authentic about it. And if not, they, they pretty much establish zero tolerance, but I would suspect that the next time he's with media it is going to be at a basketball function, which right now, um, I would imagine that they are supposed to make a trip overseas to Italy this year. Typically when they do that, it's every four years. So it's really not a routine, but typically when they do that, they'll have a, a press conference before they go. And when they come back, so you're talking like maybe late July, mid August, um, that would not surprise me at all. And in the meantime, he'll be doing what he's been asked to do and made to do behind the scenes quietly without cameras, but just doing it for his own personal comeback here. 
Did you go to sleep either of the last two nights thinking that he would be gone? Not once. But last night it was more toward the middle than I thought it was. Uh, Tuesday was a bad day for them. They had they had pride groups. They had ACLU groups. They had um, you know three or four different organizations that are mentioned in a press release today that they came out and said he needs to go. He needs to resign. He needs to not be back as a coach. You know, some said, you know, if he is, we don't agree, but he needs to be in the community doing things. He has to work with these marginalized groups that he has spoken so poorly of here. Um, and again, they spoke up, which I think is maybe expected, but also a little bit brave. And it comes with the reward, which is that the university mentioned them. So their outreach got the university's attention. They're being included in what happens now. Um, I thought if they had more days like that, if it looked like that they were just going to stick their head in the sand, I hope this blew over. I and others who were, again, under that umbrella, they, they really thought that it was going to be harder and harder for them to keep them. Um, the sooner they fix this, the better. The longer it went on, I think the more you're going to see people getting dug in. Uh, there are people in, in, in significant organizations within the university infrastructure who, who said, if he comes back, I will step down, I will resign, I will quit. And there are people who said, if he's not back, I'm out of here too. So you had people on both sides of the fence with some influence and they had to figure out how to get it back on the road and going in the right direction. It took some time and they were able to keep it from going, I think in a way that Bob Huggins didn't want it to go, but I don't think this is nearly as clean a slate or a, or a, a whitewashing of the events as people maybe initially thought would happen, but it's also not a termination. Ren Baker, welcome. He, of course, we've known him. He's at North Texas, and he's got connections with Mac Rhodes, the AD at Baylor. But uh, Ren Baker had to face something pretty quickly, what, five, six months into his tenure as the AD at West Virginia. But this also probably came above him, too, right, at the presidential level with Ed, uh, Gordon Gee? Sure. This became the president's office. This became human relations. This became the diversity, equity, inclusion office. It became the legal apparatus. It became fundraising became a lot more than just Ren Baker. Um, I mean, he, he's he's in charge of the room, and he's in the room um, when it comes to athletics. But this time he was in the room with people who were in charge of the university or who were in charge of that wing of the university. So, you know, he was he was a spoke in a wheel, but a pretty important spoke here. And I think he was making sure that this went in a direction that he wanted, but I also think that he made sure that his input was heard on stuff too. And, you know, I suspect he was one of those people who said, suspension, understand, but let's also remember none of these players – None of these fans did this. So to what extent do you punish them for something that happened on a Monday in May at noon? Mike, really good. Great segment with you today. Thanks for your time. We appreciate the insight from Morgantown and also covering West Virginia. We appreciate your time from uh, 247 Sports. Uh, Really good. Very good uh, in-depth. What was going on the last 48 hours involving Bob Huggins and also West Virginia? Yeah, and, you know, I guess we'll find out if they, they got it right or not, you know, in the future. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I, uh, I I think they did the the closest to the best right thing that they could do. I mean, they could have given them some more games on the suspension. I think that one, three games was a little light on that. But then, you, you like you said, a million dollars is a lot of money. And then you're you're now on a year to year thing. You've lost your emeritus. So there's there's more to it on the surface than a lot of people who would just read the you know 
Yeah, nothing. I mean, people on the surface, three games is nothing, dude. Yeah. That is absolutely that's, – that's less than a week of games. I mean, not in conference play necessarily, but, like, early on in the season, you could be in a tournament, you could play, yeah. what, in four or five games? Mm-hmm. I mean, so he could miss less than a week in theory right there at the very beginning. I don't know what their schedule looks like. And when you say a million dollars for a coach who's been in the game for as long as he has making big money, I know that's a lot of money. It's money that I'll never see. Uh, but that also isn't, you know, just financially. It's like the billionaire was fined – you know, a hundred thousand dollars, what, or, or two million bucks? Like, what is that? You know, ultimately. So, I say that because I know that there will be people that just see those and just roll their eyes and be like, "Oh, is that it?" But there is more to it than just that. And quite frankly, outside of firing, nothing was going to be good enough for some people. You know, mm-hmm. outside of like a full, uh, you know, whatever the other direction, uh, a full, you know, mea culpa is not going to be good enough. I mean, there's. Nothing was going to make everybody happy in this right. situation. So I think that they tried to do the best they could do. And, yes, they wanted to hang on to their Hall of Fame basketball coach. I think we'd all be fools to pretend otherwise. Uh, but, you know, let's see what he does with it. So you, people deserve chances. I don't think it's just like you're one and done in life, although we try to, we're kind of trying to, to go down that route. And sometimes it applies. Sometimes I do think there's, there's something egregious enough that, yeah, you, you should be a one and done. But in his case, I – you know, I, I think there is room there to uh, be a little open-minded and feel like this is the better route than just saying, all right, let's burn it all down and then pretend like it never happened, you know. And so we'll see. It's all in his hands now as to as to what becomes of it from this point on. And just like yeah. it was all out of his mouth to begin with, you know, he started it and he'll be the one to close it for better or worse, and hopefully it's for better. Here's the thing. You can sit there and find him. Uh, you could have been a hundred thousand dollars. You can sit there and take away his emeritus. You could take uh, him from not coaching three games or five games. Uh, the penalty is what he's dealing with, and a lot of that it's earned what he's dealing with. But that's the penalty uh, more than games or dollars or whatever. In my opinion, of what he himself personally is having to deal with, he could be sitting back going, "My God," and may not sleep for a few days. And then again, it might just be like you know. Water on a duck's back. I don't think that's the case with Huggins. You don't know. But uh, there's a lot more than just the money, the, the games, et cetera. But uh, I, I, in this day and age, not many people survive when things are said the way they were. And uh, Bob Huggins now moves on and tries to do, uh, a, a, I guess, educate not only himself, but also perhaps help educate others around him. All right, when we come back, we have the 5 o'clock hour. John Machota in about 35 minutes or so covers the Cowboys in the NFL. The schedule being leaked out. We'll have some of that. Paul Catalina's top five in a little bit less than an hour. And this is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street in Waco, a hidden gem. you know, if you are a fan like me of, of, of bourbons and craft bourbons and not, I'm not trying to knock the big brands. They're also delicious. They have those there as well. But, uh, if you are looking for something that's different, that's, that's maybe local, that's Texas crafted. I'm a big fan of that wherever I go. If I'm in a different state, I like to try what they, what they make there that maybe I can't get. So if you're a, a fan of, of locally crafted Texas bourbons, Riverbend liquor and wine, you cannot beat it. They're also working on their second location, which means, you know, another spot for, uh, more great variety of products that they have there but 
I uh, love to go in and just check out what they have. There's always come some kind of different brand, some kind of different, uh, you know, flavor of a brand that I like. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've, I've tried a lot of them. I haven't tried them all, uh, but I've tried a lot of them. And I will continue to do that at Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, also available on DoorDash, a great speedy drive through window, the customer service out of this world, and uh, easy to find. Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, behind the bank. It's Jeep season at Allen Samuels in Waco, and the deals on Jeeps are hot. Get a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $5,500 in total values or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with total values up to $5,000. Or if that's not enough, get a 2023 Jeep Compass with 5.9% for 72 months plus $2,000 in total values. Plus $500 bonus cash to first responders. Find the Jeep that's right for you at Allen Samuels in Waco. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or wacocustommarketplace.com The future's bright, the time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Here we are, this 5 o'clock hour on the verge of starting. Today we have Emery Winter constantly working on what we have tonight at 10.30 on Sports Out on the CW every weeknight at 
Jack McKenzie was here earlier. Garrett Ross runs the mothership. And then uh, also uh, Emory is counting down the, the number of subscribers. We are closing in on 30,000. You know, the NFL schedule is going to be released on, what is it, in a day or so. And it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's a day or so. They've already released some international games. There are three games in London in October and two games in Germany in Frankfurt. Falcons and Jaguars. Jaguars played twice in London. It wasn't that initially because it was kind of like the crowds were terrible, so you might as well just play a game in London. Well, they're now pretty good with well, Trevor Lawrence. Shad Khan, their owner, also owns a soccer team over there. There you go. There's the, there's a connection. Ravens and Titans, one of the games in London. Dolphins and Chiefs, that's a mega game, a Kansas City game uh, with the, the Dolphins in November in Frankfurt, and then Colts and Patriots the following week. So there's five weeks that they'll be either in London or Germany. Yeah, and uh, all those games are, are fairly good uh, for the most part. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the, the Dolphins and Chiefs is probably the best one, but but Jags and Bills also. Like, I, I don't know. They, we'll see. I, I, I'm always reticent to get too excited about the Jaguars, even though they do appear to be trending in the right direction. Yeah, no, they... They, uh, they seem to make big-time a step from where they were two years ago when they kind of made a run. And then, of course, last year made a very nice run, won a playoff game. Didn't they beat San Diego? Yeah. Oh, excuse me, the Chargers in L.A. But two international games? Yeah. No, one. the the reason, again, you mentioned the owner, but the Jaguars have been placed overseas before because they're – attendance issues in Jacksonville. So but it's almost like the they case were case now. No. Yeah, but I said before they had been placed overseas because losing a home game for them was not really a big deal because the attendance was so bad. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So what did I say wrong? They have two international games this year. Oh, I thought you were just saying well the Jaguars have two, but No, they're, they're playing play- two games in London. So I'm yeah. saying like that's like I'm questioning like dang, you got to go to London twice. I think that's kind of a big well, deal they're, on they're, your they're schedule. Back to back. So they're just okay, going to stay okay, yeah, well, there you go. Week. So they're they're going to stay over um and and do that, which I think I mean that's an interesting little experiment. One of the things I think is an experiment is that the I think the NFL would like to just, as opposed to expanding, they would like to maybe move a team over there, and maybe the Jaguars are that team eventually because Jacksonville's not the, you know, sexiest market that they're well, in. The logistics but, of that, I know. Oh yeah, we're talking about these planes oh now yeah. that are almost like flying homes, but the logistics of that would be, uh, how many games would you play there? If you were, let's for example, you're in Frankfurt or you're in London. How many of those games? How many games do you play in the United States? And, well, I mean, and now gonna, you're talking you're about still if doing eight, nine, if, right? If a, yeah, but if a team is actually located there, that means the NFL has to put six or eight other games there for, to, to fill their home schedule oh, and, and preseason games too. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, it's I don't know. I, I don't know if it's really practical, but I do think that they kind of they want to. This might be the test to see, like, is this is something we can really do? But I, I don't know. I, I, I London don't know. has been hosting NFL games now since 2007, so it's not like it's new. It just seemed like that number, when I heard that number, I was like, wow, that's quite a bit. So three in London, two of those the Jaguars, as Craig mentioned, two games in Germany. They haven't been, have they been to Tokyo lately? No, it's been a while. Surprised that 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 has. I'm not sure the exact logistics. Um, 
And then they have been to Mexico City in the past. Cowboys, of course, have been there before. We'll see. I saw one of the notes that the other part of the schedule is that Washington and Dallas might renew their tradition of Thanksgiving Day, which is it's been going on forever, not every year, that they got away from that a little bit, mainly because Washington wasn't very good, but it's still a hell of a rivalry on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, that is in the works, although that has not yet been officially announced. All right? So let's go back to Brett McMurphy and, and some of what he discussed today with us on 365 Sports. Was there anything that he said? We've talked about this so much, but was there a couple? Of, was there a nugget or two that maybe he brought up that perhaps caught your attention the most? Um. I don't know about the the I mean the scheduling part was was kind of interesting but again with the the Pac-12 it just kind of goes back to what is the what is their overall end game he brought up the ACC too he, he mentioned the term jumping over the wall and it's big I mean they need Clarence Darrow to come back from the dead and argue their way out of the grant of rights I don't know I don't know how that's going to work but uh, and and you know none of us are here are attorneys so uh, maybe there's somebody out there who's who's about to crack the code and and we don't know uh, but I do think it's I mean when I asked him about do they you know I think the Pac-12 they they know the facts but they don't know the reality of the situation of USC and UCLA. Like they know that USC. Who are you talking about as a conference? As or, a, I think there's some leaders. programs in that uh, conference. Some that do. But I do think that like part of the reason a lot of their progress has been slowed is you've got some leaders in that conference that don't want to accept that reality of, as, as it's been thrown back in their face over months of negotiating the TV deal is, you can say whatever you want about Stanford or Washington or Oregon's or whoever's alumni base in Los Angeles being huge, but the two schools that were actually that are actually physically there are not in your conference anymore, and you're not going to have their games on television when this contract starts. So you cannot, you know, rely on on those numbers and think that you really had as much to do with it. I think that's a reality they're having trouble with, and I do think I know some people in the chat room. I think a lot of this. I would not compare this to USC and UCLA compared to Texas and OU leaving. I think that's a little bit different other than the happened in kind of the dead of night. I think this is more in the um, when Nebraska and Missouri and A&M and Colorado left initially in that it was just the reality of where the conference was at that point and they just went other places that were better and they had that opportunity as opposed to uh, or at least the conference is sticking together. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's it's going to be the same way. I think it's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, nothing that really stood out, you know, really that's all above any of the other things that he said. I mean, I feel like I heard a lot of it or thought about a lot of it or, you know, assumed a lot of it or whatever. So he just kind of was confirming or, you know, in, in some case, I mean, not, not all of that was just like, you know, information we were privy to or, or opinions or whatever, but I think we got a pretty good general idea of what's going on. I think he just re, really, really reinforced that. And, um, you know, it's just all very interesting. Again, just the, the moving parts and the he said, she said. And, you know, here you got Andrew Marchand saying that, you know, there's been, uh, you know, Pac-12 people that you can't really trust because of what they're saying, which is so interesting given the amount of, you know, poo-slinging from some people on that side of things about reporting and about who's saying what and about who's putting what messages out there. And it's like, oh, okay, well, here's a mirror, pal. Uh, this is a fun invention that uh, you might want to look at every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, it's it's 
kind of what I thought it was, but uh, just maybe the heat feels like it's, you know, turning up a little bit because reality is setting in in so many ways of just this isn't going to be – I mean, it said in a long time ago that it wasn't going to be a simple deal. That's why we're months down the line. But I think now at this point you're kind of like, oh, crap. Like we are getting to a point now where it's not – we need to know something tomorrow or even next month, but – um you know, you're looking around you a little bit more, a little bit more uh, uh, nervous, I think, than, than maybe you were even a, a couple of months ago or even a month ago for that matter because the way it keeps going down, uh, you know, each and every week, it doesn't seem like it's positive news that's flowing in. It feels like it's more of the, that reality of kind of what's been talked about this entire time uh, becoming only that much more of a reality, which is there's not a lot of money flowing right now in television for a college football product that isn't the Big Ten or the SEC. There's not a lot of spots, as there once could have been had they done it at a different time. There is an element of, I think, having to trust each other, but also kind of looking out your side eye going, well, mm-hmm. can I trust that person? And and there's a lot of other things as well that we've we've touched on or alluded to. And, yeah, that's that's all adding up to this this very interesting story that uh, who knows how much longer it's got to go. They do, and who's up and who's down. And they, they you know, like Pat McAfee is up. Uh, and uh, Marshawn, I believe, is the one that brought up uh, the first thing he brought up or first uh, part of his who's down. He mentioned the Pac-12 for a couple different reasons. One is that, well, it's a, a yet another week has gone by, uh, that – Pretty much Amazon, according to what he was saying, is out. He did mention ESPN, but also said, and you heard Brett McMurphy mention this, is that that doesn't mean ESPN's out because they're out because you never know they want a low deal and they would give pennies on the dollar. I, I We've said that and heard that on this show for a long, long time, but these guys are really, really good at what they do. Um, someone asked him about the... Uh, I believe someone asked him about the USA Network because they've been brought up a little bit in the background. He didn't think, I don't think that's happening. So, and and one of, and John Kurtz put this up on his feed. One of the issues or one of the things, topics brought up by Marshawn and also Orant is that, yeah, Kirk Schultz said a lot. And Kirk Schultz fighting for the conference and for his own university. But one of the things that they mentioned, and it's hard to trust what is said, not because of any individual, but because these timelines, so-called deadlines have been just wiped out, have been pushed down the road many times. Remember the PR run when you had some presidents and ADs, whatever, mentioning back in mid-March, and mid-March went by, and then it was April, then April went by. If they get it done, if they get something done and they survive, it doesn't matter when, it's good for the conference, but that, man, these, these lines have been blurred so many different times, and almost as if people have been forced to go on the record or to go on and say, hey, no, we're fine, but we're going to have something by the middle of April. And now here we are in the middle, almost the middle of May. So that was uh, on the, the sports. But I actually listened to it today when I was on the Stairmaster, and it was great because I never get to listen to the whole thing, and I listened to more than just what they were talking about with the Pac-12, but also so much more when it comes to sports business. Uh, all right, it's a five ten down around the corner. John Machota of theAthletic.com with us on three sixty five Sports. Uh, the uh, we've we've mentioned Huggins, the Big Ten and the scheduling, uh, the NIL tax exempt with the Senate, also the NFL schedule. Casey Thompson from Nebraska or Texas prior to that is now with Tom Herman at uh, Florida Atlantic, and so he finds himself a, a new home. This is three sixty five Sports.
PettyClinicLowT.com. Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man you want to be. And they are now proud to offer men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called Semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offer an average body fat loss of about 20% within the first year of treatment. Addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars, has clinical research proof of reducing stroke and also heart attack risk. If you are like one of those men, needs that, you have stubborn fat, you're tired of it, you can't get rid of it, no matter what you've done, no matter what diet, no matter how much exercise, then help is here with semaglutide. Affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco or go to PettyClinicLowT.com and get a free consultation today with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you at PettyClinicLowT.com. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been there in quite some time, you're missing out on the improvements for our members. New flooring in the weight room and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added in the weight room and group exercise room, with more new machines arriving over the next few months. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new elliptical machines on spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and Alex Botch, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. There's sauna, whirlpool, tanning bed, and kids club. The amenities are great. 16 tennis courts plus an 1,100-seat stadium court, eight pickleball courts, youth and adult tennis and pickleball lessons. Visit our website, wacotennis.com, or visit Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive and Waco. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma, and they have to come here they're used to lights, they're used to watering their mouth, they're used to experience, they already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight year old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers and everybody 
the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones and financial advisor Cam Heathcott. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. 365 Sports around the corner. John Machota, NFL, and also covers the Cowboys for the Athletic couple of notes. By the way, Dennis Haiti wants to know your background. Can't he can't go to he can't get a read on you. Paul grew up in was in Memphis, but born in Memphis, but then you grew up for most of your young life in Florida and went to well, FSU. What what does he mean by background? I, I think he's wanting to maybe uh wondering if you should be an investigation into your life. No, he's just asking. He's just I'm trying cur- to get a read on who you are. Okay. I mean, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. We moved, I just said that. We moved to – I'm, I'm going to tell my own story, okay? <laughs> uh, You're getting defensive <laughs> over yeah, a simple I'm question. My story. I was born in Memphis. We moved to Westchester, Pennsylvania for a little while. I was quite young. We moved to Rockland, California. I was like five. We moved to Bossier City. We lived there for like six years, five, six years in Bossier City. Fort Myers, Florida. Then I went to Tallahassee. While I was in Tallahassee, my parents moved here. Um, I have a – English lit degree from FSU. Uh, I didn't really use that because unless you want to be an English teacher, not much you can do with an English degree. Um, not to knock it, but I'm curious. Like my background, I wonder, like what, like what else does he need to know? He just was asking, just like know. people. Maybe he's they can't get a read on me. I don't know what that means, though. It's a weird. Well, a weird. get on the chat room and ask him. His uh, Dennis Haiti H A T Y, who's given us and shared us. Uh, shared some rating stuff with us and also some historical perspective when it comes to TV and, and, and also much more. Um, there's a lot of talk again today on the chat room about the University of Houston and Dana Holgerson is back and forth on whether uh, people like him or not or like the job or is he under the gun. Dana Holgerson told us live, and he also mentioned this to Sam Conn in an article, he's pretty damn tired of hearing about any hot seat. He said that to us when we interviewed him about a month ago. And uh, uh, so there's a, a lot of that today. Sometimes these chats can go in a completely different direction uh, at all. Um, and, and also, Gregory, if you ever cross paths with Paul, I would not even bring up sports. I would either ask him about Fort Myers, Florida, we were, where we are both from, or bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I can tell you lots about. I know. I was. I haven't been in Fort Myers in a while. I went back for my my tenure union, but what now five years ago uh, at Bishop Royal High School, and it was immensely Wait different. A 
Your 10-year reunion? My 20-year reunion. I'm sorry. Thank yeah. You, Five years <laughs> ago. <laughs> yeah. My 20-year reunion. Good try, Craig. <laughs> yeah, thank God, you, Craig. Craig was paying attention. Yeah, my 20-year reunion. I went back. I should have said I've, I've been back essentially just for the 10 to the 20 and not really maybe one other time in between since I uh, I moved from Florida from Tampa uh, after after school for the while. So I it was so different. It was ridiculous. Um, when I was at the airport, I remember a lady saying, do you need directions? And I went, I grew up here. And then you she, got gave in the me, car. she gave me a look. And then I got lost in the way to the hotel. And I was like, oh, man, that was. Yeah, Fort Myers used to be kind of a nice, quiet, little <laughs> yeah, sleepy it's, it's town, right? Now, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Dennis, you are an interesting guy, Mr. Catalina. The FSU guy in Texas is a good dynamic. Had my doubts about you growing up in Florida as others <laughs> forwarded. <laughs> well, look, I'm, I, I can tell you, Florida is, and you have family that all lives there. Yep. Florida is such a bizarre place because... It, like there are people who are I'm not I'm like I grew up there in my formative years but I'm not necessarily I wasn't born there uh, I don't know if I'll die there who knows but there's not a lot of that there at least until now like you're starting to see like actual native Floridians but for the the longest time when you were in Florida nobody's really from there they just no. ended up there so it was weird and it, it like there was a hard dynamic on what is a, a real Floridian or, or whatever it's 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 bizarre place yeah that. That's where my my father was born, in uh, Haines City, Florida, and also where he passed away in Largo, Florida. All right, so we we mentioned the NFL schedule. John Machota just around the corner. I I touched on this yesterday, but we didn't get a chance to really visit with it much. But one of the things that has changed over the years, and I I, I guess I I haven't paid much attention to it, but I did notice this, especially the last year. If an AFC team played an AFC team, unless it was on Sunday night or Monday night or Thursday night football, that game was going to be on NBC. They owned the rights to the games in the AFC. If it was an NFC versus NFC game, uh, unless it was Thursday, Sunday, or Monday night, that was going to be on Fox. That was, of course, back in the day, uh, that would have been before it was on Fox. Let's see, CBS, I guess, had the games. Was that right? Yeah, had, CBS had the NFC and NBC had the AFC. Yes. And then when Fox came along, NBC was gone for a little while before they came back with Sunday night. And Fox took over the uh, the, the NFC, NFC yeah. and CBS got the AFC. So I remember it was a, that it was so so so. Wait, wait a minute, Kim, who's Fox back in in time? But it's not happening anymore. They have just crossed over. It's almost if you think about it, how much you watch the NFL draft. If you watched ESPN. ABC or even the NFL Network or whoever is that there were people crossing over. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network was on ESPN. Mel Kuyper was on the NFL Network. You never would have seen that back in the day. Is that because they're sharing talent to cost cut some cost, or because the more knowledge and insight you have of people who could join your show, the better the product. I think it's, I think it's the better the product. And I think some people are just independent contractors. You know, they do, um, you know, kind of hit and run stuff. But as far as the AFC and NFC, over the last, like, five or six years, it's it's been like a draft where, you know, you're, you know, Fox is going to get a good AFC game, you know, every so often. Like, they, they were kind of going back and forth. And I think because – you know, really, the networks got tired of doing the same kind of things over and over again and wanted it to, like, 
share some of the audience or, you know, the cat, like if you're CBS and you get the Cowboys, maybe two times a year, if it works out for you, well, you kind of want the Cowboys more. So now you can have a better, even draft. And I'm only saying that I'm not trying to be biased, but you know, three of the top or four of the top eight games last year were all the Cowboys. Yeah, so. but now if you if you're Fox, you can get the Chiefs. Yes, not exactly. if they're visiting an NFC team, but you might just get the Chiefs game against another AFC team, which you weren't going to get in the past. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you got some of those, didn't you? Like if the Cowboys were hosting the Chiefs, that would never be on Fox. No, if. It, the way it worked in for the longest of time, and maybe in the last couple of years it's changed, if an AFC team visited an NFC team and it was a Sunday game, it was going to be on NBC. If an NFC team visited an AFC team on Sunday, it was going to be on Fox. The visiting team would get the network based on who they were connected with. So they – no, here, to, to put it simply – because right, the, the Cowboys AFC- on Thanksgiving Day, even on Thanksgiving Day, if they were to play the Jets or the Bengals or the Patriots, that game CBS. would have been would have been on uh, CBS. Yeah, I'm sorry, CBS who gets the AFC because that way the CBS broadcasters can go and do a game in a city they're not doing it. So that's how they would trade off. So if the AFC team is the road team then CBS would get it. If the NFC team is the road team in the cross-conference, then Fox would get it. Yeah, just the way he, you said that, it made me sound like he was all NFC teams only and, and like there was no crosses. I just heard that wrong, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. They're going to have more flexibility to to have different matchups uh, than maybe we've, uh, we've come to see in the past, although there is a, a little caveat to that. It's not as though... You know, the CBS folks can just line up and say, well, we're just going to get the Cowboys. Right. Uh, there's appearance minimums. They have to show certain teams yeah. a number of times. So guess what? CBS is going to show AFC teams probably they are going to have more written in as far as the minimum number of you know times to see certain teams. So I think it will all balance out to pretty much close probably to what it is right now uh, where Fox is more heavy NFC and – what CB? I forget all the networks are on now. You know, CBS has the AFC. C, yeah, yeah, CBS is still heavier AFC. But yeah, there's going to be more crossover. I think that that's cool. Rather than having it almost feel like a line drawn in the sand where you're on this side and you're on this side, and that's the way it is. Um, there's going to be more of crossing those lines. So I think that'll be good. Just that you know, we talk about it with college football all the time. What do they want? They want the best games, right? So the best games matter if they're AFC or NFC. I'm sure well, that's what the networks are interested in. And speaking of that, Peter King in the, his uh, column Monday morning with the AFC now, and it's it it it, it flex it flows it it changes. The NFC for the longest of time was just without question the dominant conference, and and of course back in the 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, they were elite just killed the AFC and Super Bowls and all that. But with the flexing that goes on, with a game that might be scheduled on Sunday night that might end up being two teams that are 3-10, and ten, that created a kind of a, like, oh, my God, where can we put this game? Who replaces them? Uh, now the AFC is the more competitive conference because they have all the quarterbacks. And so now that allows Fox in this downtime, so to speak, they have a chance to get some of those guys, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, whoever, Herbert, on their show, or on their on their network. So really good time, and it's just different. I, you grew up, if it was an AFC team on the road against NFC, it was going to be on the uh, AFC's ne- uh, network and vice versa. Um, so that's what they're doing. Uh, become fascinating wrinkle when the time comes to examine the schedule 
whether it's 50-50 split or whether there's a still evidence of assigning games that the NFC skews towards Fox, the AFC, to CBS. So look for that when that comes out here tomorrow. When we come back, John Machota, what does he know? Any uh, thoughts on the Cowboys and who they might, not who they're going to play? They know that, and they also know where, home and away, but possibly primetime games, which the Cowboys usually get the bigger chunk of that. And this is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat. They have, uh, in fact, new incentives, discounts, and more out for the month of May. Got these yesterday. The uh, Jeep season, May is the Jeep season. Deals on the Jeeps are hot. 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $5,500 in total values or 2023 Jeep Gladiator, the sport, with total values of up to $5,000. And if that's not enough, the 2023 Jeep Compass with 5.9% financing for 72 months plus $2,000 in total values plus $500 bonus cash to anybody that is a part of being a first responder. And May is also Ram season. And right now, shop the greatest selection of the new inventory in Central Texas and get great deals, including the 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab, $4,200 Uh, $4,250 in total values or 2.9% financing for 72 months. And the 2022, uh, 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie Crew Cab, 10% off MSRP, 2.9% for 72 months. The choice is yours. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram Fiat, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI. MRI.com. 
Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy. Raise your cholesterol and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Welcome back to 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. It's time for our weekly segment with John Machoda of The Athletic, brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus, and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects, with two locations in Waco and Bryan, family-owned and operated since 1943. Here we go, John Machota, TheAthletic.com, Cowboys in the NFL. Schedule has been, some of it leaked, and again tomorrow, the official release. Thank you, John, Paul, Craig, and David. Uh, any thoughts on, any nuggets on the Cowboys yet with any of their games, how many primetime games they might get? You know, every year, I feel like over the last three or four years, they've done a good job of kind of keeping it under wraps. So I would say the most momentum that, and, and the most, you know, consistent rumors, thoughts I've heard from people in the know is the possibility that they open the season Sunday Night Football against the Jets uh, at AT&T Stadium, which, I mean, because Aaron Rodgers goes there, that changes everything for that schedule. You know, if they're making this schedule a couple months ago, there's no chance they would open the season against the Jets. But with Rodgers being there, you just knew that when he went to the Jets and that the Jets were on the Cowboys schedule, that that was going to be some type of a primetime game. And so I think that would be really cool if they open the season uh, with them. Cause at first I heard it, that they might play them on Thanksgiving and then I, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen now. And so I think that one would probably be the most intriguing uh, for me personally in terms of interest, but also the, um, the one I have Buffalo is going to be interesting because do you go early in the year or do you go in December where it could just be, you know, you're playing in, in, you know, a foot of snow. And so 
there's there's a couple games that that you know when they come out I'm looking for but they've done a good job of I, I feel like it's because of the NFL every team has turned it into their own little like publicity thing for their websites and things like that that they've done a better job keeping under wraps because you know like for the Cowboys they had I think it was like Stephen A. Smith last year post Malone a few years before that like uh, there just isn't as much leaking going on because it's turned into this like big like off season holiday event. John, uh, they're, so that means they may not open with the Giants again this year. So nice little run of that not happening. We had it, it felt like four or five years in a row, didn't we? It was something like that, yeah. I'd say that that sounds about right. I And, and right now would be the time to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. at least the, the Giants are, you know, they're, they're a playoff team now. There was just several years there where you're just kind of like, it, I don't know. If it, it has interest, it makes a lot of sense, but uh, um you know, I'm I'm fine with it. the other thing. The other one to point out too is that uh, the Cowboys will be going overseas uh, this year, and so I'm thinking because they'll have you know the nine home games next year, I could see one of them being somewhere, possibly Mexico City, something like that, where uh, you know they end up leaving the country uh, to play a regular season game for the first time since uh, London in 2014. John, what do you think of early divisional games, like when they would kick off week one against the Giants versus, you know, kind of letting those breathe a little bit and having it to when teams kind of have their feet under them a little bit more? Yeah, I think it's better when, when they're later in the year for sure. But also, I, I get it with the Cowboys because, you know, the division they're in is just such a huge media market with all the teams that are involved there. And so I get that as much as <laughs> – you know, saying that that's good for that's good for business. That's good for uh, you know to have it later in the year. That's best for the football players and the matchups and things like that. But the NFL line one is TV and what's going to draw the most eyeballs, and that's that's what they care about the most. I mean, if if that wasn't the case, they would never have any of these Thursday games. But now it's like let's try and get another day. Let's try. That's not in the best interest for the players either or the team. So yeah, of course it would be better if all of them were later in the season, but because every matchup in the NFC East is such a big, you know, TV grab and, and, and it draws so many eyeballs. I, I get why they, they mix it up. It just, you wish it was a little bit more about the football, but you also can see both sides of it because look at how much the NFL has grown and how it's just clearly not even close to the most popular sport in the country. I don't know how many years and it probably wasn't in a row, but man, we used to discuss how it was clockwork that the first game of the year would be like on a Monday or a Sunday night, Cowboys and Giants, either up in New Jersey or in Dallas. And again, that's just automatic. It's like stealing money because of the numbers those two school or those two uh, franchises will bring in. Well, and then now, now if it is the Jets, you still get the New York market. Yeah, just the intrigue of Rodgers. I mean, one just what he's done to the Cowboys throughout his career. He's obviously been a thorn in their side, but then obviously there's still the McCarthy connection. Uh, there's the fact that uh, it, it's him first time you're really seeing Aaron Rodgers, you know, with this new organization and that. So, I mean, I totally get why that would drive all too. John, uh, we, we actually didn't talk about this with you, but Micah Parsons made a little ways when he uh, said he was bulking up to play full-time defensive end. Um, and look, by the videos, it didn't look like it slowed him down uh, at all. Um, thoughts on them not using him in a role that like moves him around the field, which was so successful before. Yeah, I, I think that will still happen. I don't believe that he's making a full-time move to, to the end. Um, uh, I, I don't know that he said that like that either. I was, I know it's reported by one outlet that he said it like that, but multiple other outlets were at 
the thing that he was at as well. And no one has reported as, as that hardcore stance that he will just be a DN now. I do not believe that one. One. The only way I would believe that that's even a possibility is if by some chance there's a new defensive coordinator. And last time I checked, it's still Dan Quinn. Will he play more on the defensive line than he has the previous two years? Yes, I fully believe that. Each of the last two years, it's trended more in that direction. I believe that that's the case again. But um, I still think there'll be times where he drops. I think there'll be plenty of times where he's rushing over the top of the center. Um, they will not just be like, you're our right defensive end. You stay out there and there you go. That, that would be just, I think that would mismanage his talent, to be honest with you. And uh, I think one of his greatest strengths is versatility. So I do not believe that even him adding bulk means he's going to be, you're just, he's right defensive end. DeMarcus Lawrence is left defensive end. Here we go. Like, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, I don't think that that's what they want to do, but uh, the, the days of him playing as much linebacker as he did, especially his rookie year. Yeah. Those are gone now. Um, but he's at his best rushing the passer and, and, and they're going to put him in position to, again, be one of the team, one of the league leaders in sacks. And, and, and that, that should be where he is utilized. Other than those who were drafted, I guess, on the first or second day, and of course, Deuce Vaughn got a lot of attention, uh, the trades that got a lot of attention, and some of them seem to be really, really, uh, just really efficient and very good. Is there somebody the Cowboys have added to their roster in the offseason that you think might be a kind of a unique sleeper type uh, fun story? Well, I'll say this. Some of the guys that they signed after the draft or added after the draft agreed to terms with whatever you want to say. Uh, this T.J. Bass, kid out of Oregon, who was uh, a guard there. Uh, I think Dane Brugler had him as the fifth or sixth grade, fifth or sixth round grade and ranked him in the top 15 amongst guards in the draft. He just didn't get drafted. With this team, just it's going to be an open competition at left guard. And, and I just think that if he's plays well enough, you could get a guy that you didn't even draft um, who could end up getting starting time. Uh, and, and the guy I think of in that kind of similarly um, was Ron Leary because Ron Leary, you know, during all the testing that before leading up to that draft, he, he had what, you know, doctor's home was basically a degenerative knee condition. And so he wasn't going to have a very long NFL career. Uh, but, but if he didn't have that, he was obviously going to be drafted. And he comes to the Cowboys and those couple of years, Ron Leary was over, uh, <laughs> I would say those are those are probably the two of the best years at the offensive line that the Cowboys have had for the last decade. And so, um, you know, it doesn't just because, you know, you use a lot of first round picks in the offensive line doesn't mean that's the only way you can get it done. That's one guy that that certainly stands out to me. Vaughn's the other one only because, you know, obviously there's a great story, but there's also the sense of like for me, I want to see them use some of these smaller guys with speed because we just haven't really seen it very much. You know, there's, you know, there was that time when they, you know, they had Tavon Austin. And then we heard a lot last year about how they were going to utilize more of Turpin in the offense. And you never really saw it. Um, and then now you add Brandon Cook, who's a smaller receiver. And now you have Deuce Vaughn. And there's still the talk of getting Turpin more involved in the offense. And it's kind of one of those things where I'm just like, man, you if you guys are going to use all these smaller, speedy guys. Like, I, I, I can't wait. Looking forward to see it. I just, I can't, I can't imagine it right now because I just haven't seen the Cowboys do that. And also, even when Mike McCarthy was in Green Bay, they really didn't do that. You know, they had Randall Cobb, but outside of Randall Cobb, those 13 years, you know, Mike McCarthy was in Green Bay. It was a lot of those bigger receivers. So that those are some of the things I'm intrigued about going into training camp. Like, how much is this offense going to change? How are you going to get some of these smaller guys, you know, the ball, which I would think would be near the line of scrimmage. So, you know, some of those things like that. And then the other part, too, is also, you know, that fourth, fifth wide receiver spot. You know, it should be Jalen Tolbert. Uh, and you think Cavante Turpin, but you know they got some guys like Simi Fajoko and and, and uh, Dennis Houston, and they added another four undrafted guys. And 
you just never know about that last receiver spot because the top three are set. But after that, there's a lot of open uh, competition there. John, the little guy, super athletic jackknife player, um, has been seemingly an obsession of the Joneses going back a couple coaches now and just has never come to fruition, really. It really hasn't. And I don't know that I, – I mean, yeah, they had Cole Beasley, and I thought him and Dak, you know, the rapport was pretty good. But even with Cole, it was I, multiple training camps we'd go into where they would talk about how, you know, Cole's, you know, add more to his, you know, route tree, and he's getting down the field more, and, and Dak can be throwing deep to him, and it never happened, you know. And then they added Tavon Austin, like I said, and uh, uh, Lance Dunbar was a guy they talked about with that. I mean, heck, just all the times that, you know, there was all that talk about uh, – who am I forgetting here? Not Turpin, but there was another receiver. I can't remember who it was. It was like, oh, we're going to get him the ball. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. Tony Pollard. How much would we talk about Tony Pollard? Like when he was at Memphis, he was he was a receiver. They're going to throw to him a lot more. It's like, well, we're we're four years into his career. I haven't seen that yet. You know, like so. Th- there's those parts of it where you're like, is this going to be a little bit different? Because hey, this is the first time you really have an, a, a different play caller because. You know, yes, Kellen doesn't do things the exact same way that Linehan did, that Garrett did, but all of those kind of came together, and there's some similarities there. So maybe Mike McCarthy finds a way to do that, especially considering that there still seems to be some some questions at running back and, and making up for the you know departure of Zeke. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to see it. I just you know it's one of those things that it looks good on paper, but I got to see it first. Last thing, John, uh, with uh, I saw a video of Patrick Mahomes, CeeDee Lamb, and Dak Prescott at the Miami Grand Prix. Is it me, or does Dak look like he has thinned down a little bit? Well, it's funny. I, I Dak has thinned down, I feel like, almost pretty consistently the longer he's been in the league. Um, you know, I mean, I just remember in 2016, 2017, you know, being built more linebacker-ish, you know, when he was coming out of Mississippi State, which understandably so. I mean, they're running 15 times a game at Mississippi State. So, and I would say over the last three or four years, he's definitely in the offseason worked on leaning down in that. And I just, when I see that, I kind of equate it to um, some similarities with longevity of NBA players' careers. Uh, I, I certainly think that that's been a big part of, you know, uh, LeBron James' longevity. He, he's been able to lean down a little bit and, uh, you know, works out differently now than he did earlier in his career. And I think that's what you do when you're in that position. You're trying to uh, get yourself in the best shape possible. Tom Brady was certainly a guy who did that too. I mean, you know, some people will talk about plastic surgery. Hey, maybe that was involved. But if you look at Tom Brady's face today compared to Tom Brady's face when he came in the league, it doesn't even look like the same person with how thin his face is now. So I think that, yeah, I'm sure he has leaned down a little bit, but I think that that is by design because, um, you know, he's hoping he has a, a long career, and the older you get, the more of that weight you want to take off. Thank you very much, John. Have a great rest of the week and weekend. John Machota, theathletic.com, covers the Cowboys in the NFL. The schedule coming out tomorrow. Some of that been leaked today. His thoughts about that and also the Cowboys roster personnel and they end uh, as they continue into the offseason. When we come back, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, David Smoke, we have Paul Catalina's top five, and this is 365 Sports.
pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Aaron Duvall, owner of Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business, and we've specifically got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type of profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have, uh, you know, a good animal every now and then. But Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 college football overs. Uh, Craig and I talked about the, some of these win totals on Friday. Uh, and 
Look, I'm not telling you to bet these, but I'm saying that I think these teams are going to go over the win totals. And, and I got the aggregates from VegasInsider.com, so have them, they have them all. So this is the, the average of, of what everybody did uh, across. So number five, I'm taking Michigan over nine and a half wins. Uh, this is a team that returns its quarterback in J.J. McCarthy. And the schedule is... Uh, pretty easy. Look, the, they start out, the first four games are East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. Then they go to Nebraska and Minnesota, which will be tougher than the first four. But Really? But I think there's a, a talent gap there. Better watch out talking that trash. Matt Rule's there now. I know. He has yeah. not sent me tickets yet, so yeah. until he does. Uh, Indiana at Michigan State, uh, Purdue uh, with a new coach. Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. Now, that last four stretch is tough. It's going to be tougher. Even Purdue with a new coach and Hudson Card and all that. But Penn State at Maryland at Ohio or at home for Ohio State, that is, that's a tough stretch. But I'm still going that this team is going to be at, at 10 wins uh, almost pretty easily, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think they're actually above nine and a half some other places. So, what does yeah. that tell you? Um, yeah. Yeah, that uh, they're – that 10 at least looks like you could have put that up there and that would have been as probably as debated, but I think with nine and a, or it actually maybe more debated because I think at nine and a half, uh, seems like over is very fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that that's fair given the schedule, given the returning talent, given the momentum. Like Corum's uh, coming back. Donovan Edwards coming back. Corum, I mean, we need to see how, yeah. how healthy he is, but they should have a running back yeah. available at, um, or five, you know, to, to be able to pick up what any, any slack he's not able to pick up maybe right away. I don't know. I haven't seen an update on him in a while. I know he's progressing, but I just don't know. Like, it's like a Cam Rising thing. Is he available yeah. right away? But early in the season, they should be fine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all the pieces are there. Uh, you know, especially coming off of the heels of last year and the confidence that that has to give you. It doesn't carry over necessarily, like, the winning part of it, but just the fact that you've beaten Ohio State, you've been to the playoff, you won the Big Ten, you did all of those things. That's a big deal, man, even if it's a different team. But there's a lot of those team members that are back, as you said. So, yeah, I think that they're set up very well. I think it also means something for even a guy who is supremely confident like Jim Harbaugh because he lives on Jim Harbaugh planet and no one else's. Right. Uh, I think it's important for him and the coaching staff to have done this a, a couple of times and know that it's not just a, well, how do we do that this time? You know, it's not, it's not a fluke anymore. Number four, Kentucky. Six and a half. I'm going to say over on Kentucky. Devin Leary, I don't know if we've been talked about enough. This dude is really good, really good, and would have, had he come out healthy this year, been probably picked, I would say, before Will Levis, who was the quarterback at Kentucky last year. But he wasn't healthy, and he came back, and we got to get Steven in here or something to get these flies out of here. Um is there, there's, there's, it's, I they're think back. They're, they're like fruit flies. Yeah. Um, but it's all that pizza in the trash can. But six and a half wins for Kentucky when you start out with Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and Vanderbilt, and Florida. Uh, those they should they should they should all win. And I know Florida is maybe the biggest wild card. Then they go to Georgia. Let's not like you know get it twisted there. Mizzou, Tennessee, going to be a tough one, obviously. Mississippi State, Bama, South Carolina, and Louisville. There's seven wins in there to me, guys, especially when you have Devin Leary uh, at quarterback, who I think is going to be, uh, and I liked Will Levis. I I, I think Will Levis is, is probably going to have, a, in my opinion, a good NFL career, but um, I think Devin Leary is, is actually an upgrade. They're going to play defense because of stoops. They're going to run the ball well, but now they have somebody they can, uh, again, Toss it around the neighborhood, and then 
yeah, I mean, it's just they're 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 in a nice mode right now. They're kind of humming along, and and I think seven plus wins, seven eight wins, is not too far fetched by any means. No, it's not far fetched at all. It's it's yeah. I mean, they're it's you know a team that's regularly going to be in bowl games. You'd expect for the foreseeable future, and that wasn't necessarily how you always felt about Kentucky football. And now that's kind of you know bottom line for them is yeah they're going to be good enough to win a few games and. Uh, make a bowl, but to to what extent can they build upon that? So yeah, at six and a half, I think that that's a, a, a interesting number. But I, I'll be uh, somebody that joins you in going over there, uh, based on the the schedule and uh, the big pickup at quarterback. As you mentioned, I mean, you don't do that to barely make a bowl game. You don't do that if you like the rest of the team sucks and you have no hope. But like Devin Leary is going to come in and he's going to magically turn it into an eight win team for you. You know, you feel like you've got a pretty good situation. You bring him in; he's the finishing piece that puts you over the top and. Um, yeah, I like them over uh, six and a half. I, I'll tell you this. In my opinion, Alabama is going to regret not getting in the Devin Leary Derby. Or if they didn't or not. I don't know if they did. But I mean, they should start off 4-0. and Yeah. yeah. So can they win two more games? Now, I know then all of a sudden you start throwing in the big names and they got to play those names. But, I mean, what's Florida going to be like? They could start off 5-0. and mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, and then they're not going to beat Georgia. Like, we know that. I mean, that's 99.9% chance they lose that game. Uh, but those first five are all very winnable. They could be five and zero heading into heading into Athens, and then just have to find two wins. Yeah, the rest of the way out. Yeah, which uh, is you know easier said than done because it is the SEC, Tennessee, Alabama. But yeah, Mississippi State, they're not expected to be fantastic uh, by any means with the coaching change. South Carolina, same. Louisville, who the hell knows by the end of the year? It's a rivalry game, Missouri. So, yeah, I, I think that there's there's definitely two more wins you could find in there. Yeah, uh, number three. Kansas, I'm saying it, back-to-back years in bowl games, over five and a half uh, here for Kansas. They're returning a quarterback who we all know is really good and really good in close games, too, Jalen Daniels is. I, I think that is, that is to me, because Kansas is going to have to ride that down the line. Now, their schedule is probably tougher, especially for them, than anybody else. Look, their second game is Illinois. Brett Bielema, I don't think, is going to slow down uh, anywhere. Like, not a lot. Although, they did. Illinois lost their quarterback. They lost their running back. They lost Devin Witherspoon. They lost some guys. So, Bielema is going to have to build that up. But that game's a lot more uh, of a toss-up. It would have been in an Illinois coming off a bowl year in Kansas uh, in most years. Uh, Nevada, uh, they have BYU is going to be tough. And, of course, they get in the Big 12 schedule. But I just think the way that they navigated it last year, that they're going to find a way to six wins. I, I really do. And and what Lance Leipold is doing there, uh, I don't, like if it's over five and a half to me means six. Could they get to seven? Yeah. I don't want to go too much yeah. past that in my confidence. I think it's great that KU and Kansas State have their coaches under contract for extensions, for big money. And obviously that doesn't mean that they still can't be looked at with others' wandering eyes. But I think that's pretty cool that they're both pretty solid with what they have with Leipold and also Climate. Well, the good news for Kansas, though, is the two jobs you would have said that Leipold would really fit well are Nebraska and Wisconsin, well, they just spent big yeah. money on new coaches of their own. So. But those are the ones that were open. Yeah, yeah. too. Yeah. We didn't go and say, like, the ones that have people, you know, planted there mm-hmm. because that could change overnight. But you're right. I mean, it was a good sign that, uh, you know, he made the commitment that he did and uh, didn't end up, you know, moving on after getting them to a spot where you kind of feel like the wheels are finally in motion. So I think, you know, coming off of last year and Jalen Daniels back and, um, you know, Devin Neal back and, um, you know, many others as well, 
that's that should be bare minimum five and a half. Well, yeah, I, I say over here. Uh, I think you know, especially the newcomers, we just treat them like they're just walking in, like they've already been in the Big Twelve for years. Like there's somebody's going to have to adjust. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if it's going to be Cincinnati. I know BYU's played this All Star schedule, or you know, it's close to it. Uh, a tough schedule for you know for a while and so they're they're used to it and feel like there won't be as much of an adjustment maybe as some of the others I don't know but I mean I don't I don't expect all of them to come in just guns blazing and so you play you know UCF BYU um maybe there's a couple of games you can get but yeah within the Big 12 I think uh, you know there's a couple that they can get as well uh they do play Oklahoma and Texas but they got Oklahoma at home there who knows what the Sooners look like at that point I mean so yeah I, I definitely am going over five and a half for K I, I, I wouldn't go like seven eight and go crazy but yeah can they win six games? Yeah, absolutely. They were not a fluke. It wasn't like they just happened to be like bounce into a couple of wins. That they have the quarterback. They're tough. Well, that doesn't at- mean they're going to go nine and three or four. But it, it, it was done, and it's being built very methodically by by uh, Leipold. And they pushed a lot of teams to the limit last year too. Mm-hmm. Even in games that may have been lost by ten or so points, they were they did push those teams to the limit last year. Number two, and this one's obvious. Um, Georgia over 11 and a half. This team is going to finish with 12 wins. Now, are they going to finish with all the wins? No, but between the SEC title game and an inevitable playoff appearance, in my opinion, Georgia over 11 and a half. And I know that that's like, it's a hard one to, to swallow, but this is their schedule. And I will. Is this so, is this before the SEC championship game, 12 wins? No, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe. I mean, that's that would still get them to that, but if you throw that in there, look. Oh, if you throw that in there, then yeah, hell yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, you're basically, if this is regular season only, it's more interesting because with yeah. two postseason yeah. games probably, then yeah, they're definitely over Maybe three, yeah. right? So UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Auburn, Kentucky, Vandy, Florida, Mizzou, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech, and only Tennessee on that schedule to me is one that can. Where do they play South Carolina? I know that they're, they're at being, home. Okay, yeah, South I know Carolina's. Mm, I mean, I, I know, uh, there's but split opinions like, yeah, on yeah, them. I, I know, I know, but if, if they they were hot at the end of the year, dangerous. I'm not saying for Georgia, but just curious. Okay. Yeah, I mean, week three in Athens, I, yeah. I don't really buy their chances all that much right there. But yeah, I, I understand. There's you know, you're trying to just look for who could pop up. I mean, at well, Tennessee the next to last week, I don't think it's just necessarily chalk it up as an automatic no. because we don't know Let, at that point what anybody looks like. But yeah, I mean, for the most part. Uh, outside of that game, yeah. I don't. I mean, you're not really worried about any others. I think Auburn on the road, just with you know the change there, I don't think they'll have the talent ready at that point in time. It's going to take a little while for Hugh Freeze to get all set up and squared away. But I'm I'm interested in that game just to see what that even looks like. But yeah, I mean, outside of the the Tennessee road game in in mid November, there's there's not a lot to to really sweat well, over. Missouri almost beat them. So there's somebody on there that we don't think about that somehow yeah. it's just the way it is. Some of the most unbelievable teams ever had, like, sweated out. So somebody will, plus maybe a Tennessee or Auburn. But, yeah, they're just, man, they're just rolling right into that season. Yeah. And number one, Notre Dame, over eight and a half. I say this, and look, their schedule is, I mean, it's actually not the toughest Notre Dame schedule that they, they've ever had, but I say this because of my supreme faith in Sam Hartman and the fact that putting him on this roster with a defense that's going to be a year better under Marcus Freeman, and even though they lost some skilled players, I don't think they're going to miss a lot of those guys. I think they actually have some some quality depth. Uh, 
they can look the toughest games on the schedule uh, Clemson USC and Ohio State that's tough but if you even lose all those three and win the rest you are nine and three and they you're hitting the Marshall over. yeah well that was was Sam Hartman in that game? I, he was not. I know, but they, they did lose to Marshall. And I was mean, Sam Hartman in that game? He was not. Yeah, there was also like ten other games after that that they we saw a bit more. And Marcus Freeman got his feet underneath him a little bit by yeah. the end of the year. Um, that was a very rough start, to be sure. No but kidding. They're not yeah. going to have a repeat of that, I wouldn't think, because now he's he's firmly uh, entrenched. But uh, I, you know, yeah, I mean that's that NC State game would have been. Uh, especially with Devin Leary, really interesting in week three. Now it's Brennan Armstrong. So it's still, you know, an interesting game that you got to look at. But I don't know that you necessarily pick NC State to win that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they they have what looks like it could very well be. Th- I, like, I don't know who to pick in them in USC right now or them in Clemson right now. Uh, I, I like Ohio State over them, but, you know, there's there's definitely a path to 10-11 wins here if they – you know, play uh, play well. So yeah, I could I could buy over eight and a half. Yeah, I, I think so. And again, this is part of my again. Sam Hartman's a gamer. He still stays healthy there. Uh, they're they're gonna win. They're gonna win a lot of games with him this year. I just think there's some teams that we just don't really know just yet, mm-hmm. like who they're going to be and what they're going to look like. So you see certain names and you're like, hmm, okay. But yeah, uh, those three would be the ones that I would start off with. And like you said, even if they lose those three. That's still a nine and three. So uh, yeah, I like their chances a lot. And then you add in a bowl game, of course, and and yeah, that seems like a good good safe bet. Well, good for uh, hopefully everything works out for Marcus Freeman because you're right, man. What a rocky start. And you know how many people were like, did we do this right? And then they ended up uh, kind of digging themselves out of that hole. Garrett, thank you very much. Emery Winter, thank you very much. Don't forget tonight sports tonight at ten thirty on the CW, which will be uh, four of the segments we have, and I. I believe Brett McMurphy, a couple of different segments with him. Brian Murphy on the U.S. Senate bill on NIL donors and tax exempt. And uh, I forgot the other one. I just went blank. I just did the tease. All right, that's tonight at 1030 right here on the CW. Thanks, Garrett, Emery, Craig, Paul. I'm David Smoke. Thanks to all of you in the chat room, the text line, our sponsors. Good night, 365 Sports. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in 